الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح في الكتاب شرح السنة للإمام المزني رحمه الله We were speaking about what the author رحمه الله said about Nabiullahi Adam and the situation of the people that day and how they're going to be we spoke about that the author he said when the people's bodies perish in their graves they will be resurrected that's why Allah said in the Quran Allah brings them back to life subhanahu wa ta'ala The word al-hashr in the language it means al-jam' They get gathered And we spoke about that gathering is going to take place where? It's going to take place in Sham And the people are going to be that day The people that day they are going to be naked. They are going to be uncircumcised. And they are also going to be um, shoeless, no shoes. The sun will be brought close to them. The distance of a mile. Some of them scholars, they said. Meal, some said a mile. Some scholars, they said, no, it's not. Uh, or some of the narrators, they said it's not. It's actually the size of a kuhul, the kuhul that you put on your eyes. That's the height. There's different views. And the sweating will be in accordance uh, people's actions. How much they did. If you worked hard that day, if you worked hard in the dunya, your sweat will be less. And if you worked less, mean you didn't do good, you'll sweat more. And if you worked hard, you'll sweat less. And we mentioned the ayah, Everybody will be gathered that day. No one will be missing. The author said, the people will be presented to them their actions and what they did. You did this. And that's why Allah said, They will be asked about what they did. Some people are going to enter Jannah. There are a group of people who are going to enter Jannah without any reckoning or any interrogation. They're just going to walk into Jannah. As for the disbelievers, they're going to be questioned and they're going to be interrogated. Their actions are going to be scaled that day. And because of their, um, due to their actions, they're going to be placed in the right place. A scale will be brought that day, a mizan. Bihadratil mawazin, the author says. And Allah Ta'ala says, Everything that you did will be brought forward. Even if it's as small as a mustard seed, it will be brought forward. 
Allah is not going to oppress anyone. The scrolls will be opened. They will be shown what they did their scrolls. The author says, Allah knows everything you did. Nothing is hidden from him. He hasn't forgotten. And Allah said in the ayah, that day, they will be informed of everything that they did. It's all documented and nothing is hidden. That day, in the day of judgment, Ali ibn Abi Talha, he narrated from Ibn Abbas that he said, the duration will be it will be like for the disbelievers 50,000 years 50,000 as for the believers the qiyamah is going to feel like for them this whole process is going to feel for them what? Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala is the one that's going to be accounting the people that day. It's not anyone else. Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. All of this is the aqeed of Ahlul Sunnah. We believe in all of that which we mentioned regarding the Day of Judgment. We don't believe the people just die and there's no resurrection. Allah said, We believe that there's going to be a resurrection and a meeting day. Now. وأهل الجنة يومئذ في الجنة يتنعمون بصنوف اللذات يتلذذون وبأفضل الكرامات يحبرون فهم حينئذ إلى ربهم ينظرون لا, ينظرون لا يمارون في النظر إليه ولا يشكون فوجوه فوجوههم بكرامته ناظرة وأعينهم بفضله إليه ناظرة في نعيم دائم مقيم ولا يمسهم فيها نصب وما هم نصب وما هم منها بمخرجين. أكلها دائم وظلها تلك عقب الذين اتقوا وعقب الكافرين النار وأهل الكافرين النار. وأهل الجحد عن ربهم يومئذ لمحجوبون في النار يسجرون لبئس ما قدمت لهم أنفسهم 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 أن سخط الله عليهم وفي العذاب هم خالدون ولا ولا يقضى عليهم فيموتوا ولا 
لا يقضى عليهم فيموتوا ولا يخفف عنهم من عذابها كذلك نجزي كل كفور الآية خلا من شاء الله خلا من شاء الله من الموحدين إخراجهم منها. The author رحمه الله says the people of Jannah they're gonna enjoy themselves that day. يتلذذون they're going to enjoy themselves with the different joys that are in Jannah. Jannah is going to be a place they're going to enjoy. Allah says in the Quran, يَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ وِلْدَانٌ مُخَلَّدُونَ يُطَافُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِصِحَافٍ مِّنْ ذَابٍ وَأَكْوَابٍ وَفِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِيهِ الْأَنفُسُ وَتَلَذُّ الْأَعْيُنُ وَأَنْتُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Also Allah said, وَجَزَاهُمْ بِمَا صَبَرُوا جَنَّةً وَحَرِيرًا متكئين فيها على الأرائك لا يرون فيها شمسا ولا زمهريرا ودانية عليهم ظلالها وظللت قطوفها تذليلا ويطاف عليهم بآنية من فضة وأكواب كانت قواريرا قوارير من فضة قدروها تقديرا ويسقون فيها كأسا كان مزاجها زنجبيلا عينا فيها تسمى سلسبيلا ويطوف عليهم ولدان مخلدون إذا رأيتهم حسبتهم لؤلؤا منثورا وإذا رأيت ثم رأيت نعيما وملكا كبيرا عاليهم ثياب سندس خضر واستبرق وحلوا أساور من فضة وسقاهم وسقاهم ربهم شرابا طهورا إن هذا كان لكم جزاء وكان سعيكم مشكورا That's all the description of the people of Jannah and what they're going to have and their hard work. Allah mentioned that in Surah At-Tur from Ayah 12 to Ayah 21. What are those people going to achieve? How are they going to enjoy themselves? And then look what Allah said at the ending of after, after mentioning all of that. Allah says, For you, the people of Jannah, this is your reward. Why? Your actions was praiseworthy. You guys were really working hard. Noble people. This is the reward that you deserve this day. After Jannah, they get something even better. Jannah is nothing. Compared to the other blessing that they get. Imagine that. Jannah becomes less than what they're going to get after that, which is another ila rabbihim. They're going to see their Lord. Seeing Allah is greater than Jannah. That day, they're going to be honored for their faces to be brightened and for them to see their Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, He said, إِذَا دَخَلَ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ الْجَنَّةِ when the people of Jannah enter Jannah, يقول الله عز وجل Allah says, تريدون شيئا أزيدكم? Shall I give you extra? Do you want something more? فيقولون they would then say, ألم تبيض وجوهنا? ألم تدخلنا الجنة? 
Oh Allah, did you not put us in Jannah? Have you not brightened our face? Did you not prevent us and take us away from the hellfire? You pushed us away from the hellfire. Have you done all of this for us? What else can we want? You've given us all that which we wanted. Allah then says, Allah, He removes the veil between Him and His creation. They have not been given anything greater than seeing their Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the Prophet recited the ayah, husna wa The people who do good, they will get more. The more here is what? The more here, it's seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi he said in the hadith, Ta'allamu, know, annahu lan yara ahadun minkum rabbah. No one is going to see Allah. Hatta yamuta, until he dies. No one is going to see Allah whilst he's alive. You'll only see Allah what? When you die. Who, was, who is the one who's going to see Allah ta'ala? The believers. The disbelievers, Allah ta'ala, إِنَّهُمْ عَنْ رَبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ They're not going to see Allah ta'ala. إِذَا مِنْ عَقِيدَةِ أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ From the aqeed of Ahlul Sunnah is that Allah will be seen the day of judgment. He will be seen. لَا يَمَسُّهُمْ the believers are in Jannah are going to see Allah with their eyes. That's why we see, the author said, وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ بِفَضْلِهِ إِلَيْهِ نَاظِرَةِ فِي نَعِيمٍ دَائِمٍ مُقِيمٍ And the blessing that they're going to have in Jannah is forever going to be. لَا يَمَسُّهُمْ فِيهَا نَصَبٌ وَمَا هُمْ مِنْهَا بِمُخْرَجِينَ They will stay in Jannah forever. They won't get tired. Jannah doesn't have tiredness and fatigue. And they will never be taken out of Jannah. No one enters Jannah and is taken out. If you enter Jannah, you'll stay there forever. Like in Nar, you might enter and come out. Don't ever think to yourself they will be taken out of Jannah, those people. Like in who are these people who are going to receive all of that? Who is the one that's going to eat in Jannah and enjoy himself like that? Allah says... Its fruits and its food is forever. Like in Allah says, This is the final ending of the righteous people. means The final abode of the disbelievers is what? Annara, the hellfire. That's where they're going to enter. And they're going to be prevented from seeing Allah Taala. Never are they going to see Allah. Never ever. They missed that opportunity of seeing him. Allah that is being spoken about all this time. We were talking about Allah, Allah, Allah. Imagine missing that opportunity of seeing him that day. May Allah make us from those who see him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The disbelievers, where are they going to be? وَفِنَّارِ يُسْجَرُونَ They will be burning and be lit in the hellfire. That's why Allah says, لَبِئْسَ مَا قَدَّمَتْ لَهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ Evil is what their hands have put forward for them. And سَخِيطَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah became angry with them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفِي الْعَذَابِ هُمْ خَالِدُونَ And they are going to stay in the hellfire forever. Allah also told us that they're not going to die. لَا يُقُضَى Allah said they are not going to be brought to an end. لَا يُقُضَى عَلَيْهِمْ فَيَمُوتُوا وَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُمْ مِنْ عَذَابِهَا Allah says they're not going to die because they want to die that day. Allah says in another ayah, 
يأتيه الموت من كل مكان وما هو بميت يتجرعه ولا يكاد يسيغه ويأتيه الموت من كل مكان وما هو بميت they want to die they're wishing for death but that day they're not going to die Allah says لا يقضى عليهم فيموتوا ولا يخفف عنهم من عذابها كذلك نجزي كل كفور وهم يصطرخون فيها they're going to be screaming in the hellfire and they'll be burning and they're screaming and noises are coming out of their mouths and then they say ربنا أخرجنا نعمل صالحا غير الذي كنا نعمل Allah bring us back to the dunya so we can do righteous actions actions that we never used to do we used to mock the people acting upon the deen we used to mock the existence of God just give us one more chance that we can go back to the dunya and we can do good work Allah then says أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرَ وَجَاءَكُمُ النَّذِيرُ Weren't you given a time? Were you not given enough time to come back to your senses? Did you not live a good life as in you lived 50 years, 40 years? You didn't come to your senses. Even then a warner came to you. Old age came to you telling you that you're going to come to an end. All of that you didn't wake up. You didn't take a lesson from it. فَذُوقُوا فَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ نَصِيرٍ Taste the pain of the hellfire. فَذُوقُوا Taste it. Feel it. Allah then says, فَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ نَصِيرٍ The oppressors, the criminals, the disbelievers, they have no one giving them victory that day. So what we take from the ayah is, وَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُ مِنْ عَذَابِهَا The hellfire will not be lifted from them. Even a little bit. They won't get that. And also what will be said to them, فَذُوقُوا فَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ and it will also be said to them and by the way no one's coming to help you your situation is going to be like that forever who are the people who are going to be taken from the hellfire the believers some of the believers are going to be taken out of the hellfire that's why the hadith mentions some of the believers are going to come to Allah and they're going to say Ya Allah Rabbana our Lord some of our brothers in the dunya, they used to pray salah with us. They used to fast with us. They used to give zakat with us. They were believers. And of course, they fell into other sins, other mistakes. But they are our brothers. And today, they are not with us. They're not with us in Jannah. Allah then says to these believers, go. Take them out of the hellfire. Go and take those people that you recognize from those people. Take them out of the hellfire. Take those people out who said la ilaha illallah and there's a mustard seed of iman in their heart. Some of the scholars, they said, how can they know those who have mustard seed of iman in their hearts? How do they know? And a large quantity of scholars, they said, the only way they will is those who prayed will have signs of sujood on their faces. That's how they're going to recognize them. And they will say to those people, come out. And they, Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi in his kitab, Ta'adhi Muqadir al-Salah, that's what he mentions. Come out. Salah. They'll say, come out. You used to pray, right? Come out with us. Those people are going to benefit their believing brothers, right? They took them out of the hellfire. Then Allah Taala says to the believers, "Have you taken everyone else?" Ha! And then Allah says, "Angels, take who you know at." The angels they then they then go and take out who they know. 
and the messengers and the prophets come and they take out who they know. And then when everyone finishes, Allah said, did you all finish? And they say, oh Allah, we've, we've taken out everyone we recognize and every, everyone we know, we did it. Allah then says, Shafa'at al-Malaika, the angels interceded. Shafa'at al-Rusul wal-Anbiya, the messengers and the prophets, they interceded. Shafa'at al-Mu'minun, and the believers also interceded. Walam yabqa'an, the only intercession that remains is the intercession of Allah. Meaning the only action, the only one now who's left to do it is Allah. And then Allah takes out a portion of people out of the hellfire. And then those people, because they burned in the hellfire and their skin got burnt and they became ashes, they will be taken and they will be dipped into a river. And this river is called the river of life. They will be dipped inside that river and then they will be taken to Jannah. And these people, when they come to Jannah, they're going to be known as Utaqa'ur Rahman. The people who Allah freed them from the hellfire. And then Nahr they come to is Naharun Yuqalulaha. The Nahar is called Nahrul Hayati. That's when they get cleansed, their bodies become cleansed and cleaned. And their skin becomes so fresh and good, and then they get taken to Jannah. Now. وَالطَّاعَةُ لِأُولِي الْأَمْرِ فِي مَا كَانَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مَرْضِيًّا وَاجْتِنَابُ مَا كَانَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مُسْخِطًا وَتَرَكَ الْخُرُوجِ عِنْدَ تَعَدِّيهِمْ وَجَوَّرِهِمْ 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 وَالتَّوْبَةُ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ كَيْمَا يَعْطِفُ بِهِمْ عَلَى رَعِيَّتِهِمْ The author here goes into a mas'ala known as Listening and obeying the leaders. This is an aqidah issue as well. The listening on the obedience of the people of leadership. Aqidah sunnah is we listen and we obey the leaders. And the leaders, if they are Muslims and they are oppressive to their people, they are oppressive. They are unjustly taking their wealth. They are lashing them. They are beating them. Muslim oppressive leaders. Aqeedah to Ahli Sunnati wal Jama'ah is you're not allowed to go against them. You're not allowed to go against them. And you are not allowed to rebel against them. And you're not allowed to protest against them. You're not allowed to. as wa ta'a You obey them in the good that they command. And as for the oppression and the wrongdoing that they are doing to you, you leave it for the sake of Allah. As-sabru, you're patient. And there are evidences for that. Allah says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, those of you who believe, Ati'u Allah, obey Allah. Wa ati'u rasoola, and obey the messenger. Wa ulil amri minkum, and those who have authority over you. Those people who have power and authority over you, obey them. Obey them. So Allah told us three types of people that we need to obey. We obey Allah, we obey the messenger, and we obey the people of what? Of leadership. Like in the obedience of Allah is unrestricted. The obedience of the messengers is what? It's unrestricted. Like in the obedience of the rulers is when they command us to do good. We obey them in the good that they command us. And if they command us to do something that goes against Allah's religion, we don't do it but we still don't rebel against them or protest or go against them. We just don't do the sin. So if they command us to commit zina or they command us to do alcohol, we don't obey them. But they still have the overall obedience over us. 
If they then tomorrow command us to do something else, we listen. The Prophet وسلم, he said, Obedience is only in that which is in pleasing to Allah. And the Prophet also said, You do not obey the leader or anyone, even your parents. Or the wife doesn't obey her husband in that which goes against the religion. No one has that right. Allah's religion takes obedience over everybody. The Prophet he told us that there's going to come oppressive leaders that are unjust to their people. Oppressive Muslim leaders are going to come. The Prophet went as far as describing them to be what? He said, Their hearts are hearts of wolves. In the clothing of what? Of the clo their human beings. Like they have no rahma in their hearts for their people. That is the furthest you can hear about someone. صح? Is there anything left? Their hearts are wolves. But they are in the form of a human being. The Prophet at that time said to the Sahabas, Fasbiru, be patient. Until when? Until you meet me in the fahawth. Until you meet me what? Until you meet me in the fountain. Be patient. Why are the scholars saying this? Why are they, I mean, why is the Prophet emphasizing on this point? And why are Ahlul Sunnah, all of them bringing this, in, bringing them, bringing this in their books? The reason is because this oppressive leader who is oppressive, getting him out of his position, rebelling against him, throwing him from his position, it's going to bring worse than what is currently there. The problem that he has is going to be minute in comparison to the ongoing problems that are going to happen and Islam takes all of that into consideration. So he might be attacking a group of people or he might be causing harm to a group of people and not everybody. What happens though? When the people rebel against him, he, the issues become more in large in quantity, the bloodshed becomes more, the fighting and the then within the people, they break into groups. And this does not have an ending. It's going to become ongoing. Ahmed ibn Hanbal, when the leader of his time imposed on every, every person from the scholars to believe that the Quran is created, Ahmed, his position was well known that he believed that the Quran is not created and he voiced his opinion. But Ahmed never allowed anyone to go against the leaders. Rather, Imam Ahmed used to make dua for them. That Allah guides them and shows them the truth. Ahmed ibn Hanbal. And one time the people came up to Ahmed and they said, Ahmed, should we not go against these leaders who are saying these statements? Should we not go against them? Should we not? And Ahmed, rahimahullah, he said to them, Ad-dimaa, ad-dimaa. Blood, blood. The blood. The blood. Blood's going to shed here. And then they said, Ahmed, what is left? Many blood have already spilled, meaning some, many of the ulama have been killed in prison. Many of them have been lashed. Many of them this, 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 this. Ahmed said something very powerful. He said, this fitna right now is restricted to the scholars. And the scholars are only being harmed here. But when you rebel against him, this fitna now goes to the masses as well. The ammatul nas are also going to be in the problem.
Are we all together? So, addima addima. So, Ahlul Sunnah don't believe that. Rather, some of them went as far, far, as, far as going to making dua for Allah to guide him and to show him the truth and for Allah wa ta'ala to bring him to guidance and good. The Prophet said in a very powerful hadith, he said, The best of your leaders are those you love them. And they love you. These are the best ones. They send salutation and peace unto you guys and you send it on them. These are the best ones. The worst leaders are you hate them. And they hate you. You curse them and they curse you guys. They said, Ya Rasulullah, should we not take our swords out and kill these leaders? No. As long as they pray. Meaning they stopped, they, they abandoned everything else in Islam, but they only pray. These leaders abandoned everything. All that they're doing is what? Salah. The Prophet said, as long as that thing is still being done by them, don't go against them. The Prophet then said something very powerful. If you see from your leaders, you see from them something you dislike, they are doing things that are not pleasing to you or the religion. Hate his actions and hate what that he's doing. Hate it in your heart. But do not pull your hand back. Meaning don't pull back from the Pledge of Allegiance that you've given. And the obedience and the listening that you gave. Today, brothers, what stands in the place of Pledge of Allegiance is visas. If you come to a country with a visa, you've accepted to be a law-abiding citizen. If you cause any mischief on that land, you are a khain, a deceptive individual in the Sharia. You gave your word of safety. I'm here not to cause any corruption or harm in your land, in your place. Are we all together, brothers? The scholars of our time, by consensus, all of the hayat that constu scholar constitutes, all have agreed that the visa takes the place of what? It takes the place of a ahd and a mithaq that is given by the people too. So if you go to a land of the non-Muslims and etc., that's your way of saying, I am a what? I'm not going to cause harm in your land. I'm not going to do anything to you. I will stay safe and sound in that land. So, it's not because they they are scared of a leader or this and that. It's believe in this because it's from the Quran. It's taken and it's also taken from the what? From the Sunnah. وَلِذَلِكَ حَسَنَ الْبَصْرِيُّ at his time. When they wanted to rebel against the leader, um, Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, and he told them, don't do it. Do you know what they said to him? Let's get up, man. These people, these ulama, are ulama al-hayzi wal-nifas. What are they? The ulama of menstruation and postnatal bleeding. That's all they know. That's the only questions that they should be asked. They don't know politics and they're not clued up with the waqa. Wallah, wallah. Imam Shatibi mentions this in his Kitab al-Ihtisam. Check it. So to call the scholars, scholars for dollars, it's not new. It's not a new trend. 
the Khawarij of the time of Hassan al-Basri and the likes of them, they used to say the same thing about the Tabi'een. They same same against Muhammad ibn Sirin and Hassan al-Basri and al-Uzai and others. So, and anyone who's sincere and truthful with himself can see the harm it caused when people rebelled against governments. The bloodshed that took place, the innocent people who died, and the amount who died now, and the way that their religion got affected now is far greater than before. Anyone who's sincere and honest will say that's true. And that's all that the scholars have always been warning against, telling the people to just take it easy. These issues, it's, impo it's important that aqibatul umur, the final endings are observed. Naam. والإمساك عن تكفير أهل القبلة والبراءة منهم فيما أحدثوا ما لم يبتدعوا ضلالا فمن ابتدع فمن ابتدع منهم ضلالا كان على أهل القبلة خارجا ومن الدين مارقا ويتقرب إلى الله عز وجل بالبراءة منه ويهجر ويحتقر وتجتنب غدته فهي أعدى من غدة الجرب the author, rahimahullah, here he goes into the issue of takfir. But before I go into it, there's one statement I want to say regarding what I was talking about before. Ibn Taymiyyah said something very powerful. I want you to all write this down. Ibn Taymiyyah observed the Islamic history. He looked at it deeply. From this time to the time of the Prophet until the time of Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Taymiyyah did ta'anni. He, he observed and he looked and he said, وَلَعَلَّهُ it's most likely La yakadu yu'rafu ta'ifatun kharajat ala thi sultanin illa wa kana fi khurujiha min al-fasadi ma huwa a'zamu min al-fasadi alladhi azalatu Ibn Taymiyyah said this is a powerful statement He said in history there is not a group of people who rebelled against the leader because of problems that they saw from him except that their rebelling brought more of a harm than the current harm that there was there in the first place Pay attention to that. There is not a group of people who rebelled against the leader because they saw harm. They saw harm that the leader was bringing, for instance. And then they chose to rebel against him. Okay? Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, you will not see a group of people who rebelled against a leader because of harm that they saw from him. Except that the harm that they brought, the people who rebelled, was greater than the current harm that was there. The harm that that leader was bringing about became small than the one that came when they tried to rebel against him. Ajib. He also said, Al-Sunnah's view became affirmed not to go against the leaders. They saw the bloodshed. The fitna of... Um, Hajjad ibn Yusuf, all of the people that died, they saw this and they realized that a hadith of the Prophet which commanded patience, how important they are. The author now went into issue of takfir. Takfir, brothers, is taking the people out of Islam. He said, Stay away from making takfir on the Muslims. 
and labeling them as to be kuffar. Extremism in takfir. And then after that, what do you say? Because they're kuffar, their blood, their blood is halal, and from that their blood is halal, then they're Stay away from that. Free yourself from this innovation that was brought by who? The khawarij. They made it easy to make takfir of the people. The Prophet said in the hadith, Man salatana. Listen to this properly. The Prophet said, anyone who prays our prayer, pray salah with us. وَاسْتَقْبَلَ قِبْلَتَنَا And he faces the qibla with us. وَأَكَلَ ذَبِيحَتَنَا And eats our slaughters. He eats our meat. فَذَلِكَ الْمُسْلِمِ That person is a Muslim. الَّذِي لَهُ ذِمَّةُ اللَّهِ وَذِمَّةُ رَسُولِهِ That person has the rights of his blood being protected and, and not harmed. فَلَا تَخْفِرُوا Do not abandon the rights that Islam has given him to be protected. So what does he do? Man salla, salatana. Wastaqbala, qiblatana. Wa akala, dhabihatana. Fatalika al-Muslim. Nabiullah Muhammad said it. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imam al-Bukhari narrated this in Sahih. And today, in some places in the world, we find people are being killed when they come out of the masjid. The person who wants to kill them is waiting for them outside the masjid. He was sent. He was told to kill this man. He's waiting for him outside the masjid. As soon as he comes out, he kills him. Shoots him in the head. Ah. This is the reality. Naam. Wal-imsaku wal-bara'ati minhum fi ma'ahdathuhu. Wal-imsaku anil-bara'ati minhum fi ma'ahdathuhu. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, talks about another issue, which is those who fall into innovation. And it's important that we understand innovation is something that we also stay away from. Easily labeling on people as well. Say, Fulan is a mubtadi'ah. Fulan is an innovator. And the mubtadi'ah is an innovator. Also, it's an Islamic term that you can't use lightly. You have to use it in context. Meaning you have to use it in the way that the Sharia wanted. The same way you can't use takfir lightly, you can't use tabdi' lightly. وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامَ Muhammad said, إِخْرَاجُ النَّاسِ عَنِ السُنَّةِ شَدِيدٌ Ahmad ibn Hanbal said, taking the people out of the sunnah is very hard. To say, Fulan, لَيْسَ مِنْ أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ Ahmad ibn Hanbal said, this is a very hard thing. Okay? But when it becomes clear that this person is an innovator, the author, rahimahullah, mentioned, وَيَتُقَرَّبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ we get closer to Allah by doing what? بِالْبَرَاءَةِ مِنْهُ By freeing ourselves from that person. Once it becomes clear and it's established that he's fallen into innovation and he's a person who's persistent upon his innovation, then we free ourselves from him. He's boycotted and he's belittled. He's boycotted and he's belittled. Like, insignificant. Because he's calling the people to what? Misguidance. That's what the author is saying. And the way that he's abandoned is like a person who has a contagious illness, he said. <laughs> the way that we run away from him, is like you, and we don't go close to him, is if you knew someone had a contagious illness, would you go close and sit next to them? This person has a contagious illness in his religion. Why are you going to sit with him? Now.
ويقال بفضل خليفة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم أبي بكر الصديق رضي الله عنه فهو أفضل الخلق وأخير وأخيرهم بعد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ونثني بعده بالفاروق وهو عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه فهما وزيرا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وضجيعه في قبره ونثلث بذي النورين عثمان بن عفان عفان رضي الله عنه ثم بذي الفضل والتقى علي بن ابي طالب رضي الله عنهم اجمعين ثم الباقين ثم الباقين باقين من العشره الذين اوجب لهم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الجنه ونخل ونخلص ونخ ونخلص لكل لكل رجل منهم من المحبة بقدر الذي أوجب لهم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من التفضيل ثم لسائر أصحابه من من بعدهم رضي الله عنهم أجمعين ويقال بفضلهم ويذكرون بمحاسن أفعالهم ونمسك على الخوض فيما شجر بينهم فهم خيار أهل الأرض بعد نبيهم ارتضاهم الله عز وجل لنبيه وخلقهم أنصار لدينه فهم أئمة الدين وأعلام المسلمين رضي الله عنهم أجمعين the author, rahimahullah, he speaks about here the issue of the Sahabas, Ashabu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The Sahabas, are they all the same? Are the Sahabas all the same? No. Just the same way that the Prophets are not the same, the Sahabas are not the same. Didn't Allah not say, We made some of the Prophets more virtuous than the others. Are, the, are, the, are they all the same? No. So they're not the same, like the prophets are not the same, the sahabas are not the same. Who is the greatest of them? Abu Bakr, As-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And after him is who? Umar ibn al-Khattab. The author mentioned that. And there are many evidences for that. That Abu Bakr and Umar are the best. Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, Kunna naqulu wa rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hayyun. We used to say, and the messenger was alive, meaning he was with us. Nabi Muhammad was with us. We used to say, Afdalu ummatin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ba'da Abu Bakrin, thumma Umaru, thumma Uthmanu. We say that. The Prophet was with us. We used to say Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman. Ali ibn Abi Talib one day was asked. Ali was asked one day. Who asked him? He, his son asked him. Muhammad al-Hanafiyyah. He asked Ali ibn Abi Talib a question. Muhammad, Muhammad al-Hanafiyyah, he's the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib, but not from Fatima. Ali married after Fatima, right? Fatima died six months after the Prophet, right? Ali lived much longer than that. He got married. Muhammad al-Hanafiyyah, al-Hanafiyyah is his mother. He got named after his mother like that. Very righteous woman. So Ali ibn Abi Talib, his son Muhammad al-Hanafiyyah, said to him, Dad, who's the best of people? After the Prophet sallallahu Ali said, Abu Bakr. And then who after that? Ali said, Umar. Then Muhammad al-Hanafiyyah said, I became scared that my father is going to say, Uthman. So what did I do? I then said to him, Thumma anta, you, you. I made the third one for him. 
And then he said, I'm just a man from the Muslims. I am a man from the Muslims. So he was scared that the third was going to be who? Which was? Are we all together? Did Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah differ amongst themselves who's more greater, Ali and Uthman? Is this a view within Ahlul Sunnah? Who's better, Ali and Uthman? Or is it crystal clear? Ali, Uthman, and then Ali. Huh? It's clear, yeah? Is it like that? No other opinion. Just one opinion Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, huh? There's difference of opinion. Within Ali Sunnah, some of them believe that Ali is better than who? Uthman. There's no problem and there's no aqidah issue with the person who believes Ali is better than Uthman. There's no problem. Like in, there is an aqidah issue if he believes, the, if he questions the legitimacy of whose khilafah? La Uthman. There's a difference between the virtue. He can say this one's better than this one. Like if he says that Uthman's khilafah was not legitimate because Ali should have been given it, this becomes a mas'ala aqidah related issue that can harm a person's aqidah. And we will carry on after the salah, inshallah. So in the sharh of the kitab, sharh uh, al-sunnah, l'imam al-muzani, rahimahullah. We were talking about the aqidah of ahli sunnah wal jama'ah fi sahabat al-kiram. What the Ahlul Sunnah's belief is regarding the companions. And the clarification regarding their virtue. And how noble the companions are. What we said is that the Sahabas are not one level in virtue. The way that the Prophets are not one level. The Prophets are of different levels. Allah mentions it in the Quran. We made some of the prophets more virtuous than others. The same is with the Sahabas. And we said that the most virtuous of the Sahabas is who? Abu Bakr. And then what we said is Umar. And then what we said is Uthman. And then what we said is Ali. Radiallahu ta'ala. And we were in there. Ali ibn Abi Talibin. He said, بَلَغَنِي أَنَّ أُنَاسًا يُفَضِّلُونِي عَلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ Ali ibn Abi Talib said, I heard that some people are giving me virtue over Abi Bakr and Umar. Some people are trying to put me higher. Do not place me higher over any of those two. No one should place me above Abu Bakr and Umar. And the one who gives me virtue over Abu Bakr and Umar, I'm going to lash him. The lashing of a person who falsely accuses a woman of something that which is free of. Okay? I will lash you. Ali ibn Abi Talib said that. So, the virtue of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is consensus amongst Ahlul Sunnah. It's not disputed. And Umar. And Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Ali ibn Abi Talibin. Walidalika ibn Abi Dawood, the son of Abu Dawood, a Sijistani, his son Abu Bakr, he has a aqidah called aqidatul ha'iyah. I'm a manzumatul ha'iyah, sah? In there he says, 
وقل إن خير الناس بعد محمد Say that the best person after Nabiullah Muhammad is وزيراه قدما ثم عثمان الأرجح Abu Bakr and Umar are the best and then Uthman according to the strongest opinion because there are some of Ahlul Sunnah who said what? that Ali is better than what? that Ali is better than Uthman some did say that but it's a weak opinion what is it? it's a weak opinion وَنُثَلِّثُ بِذَنُّ رَيْنِ عُثْمَانِ بْنَ عَفَانِ Uthman is the third person he said why was he called the Nuraini? why was Uthman given that title? Why was he called the Nuraini? The reason why he married two of the Prophet's daughters, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Waradiyallahu Anu. Uthman married two of the Prophet's daughters, Uthman. And so he got given that title. Who comes after Uthman? Ali ibn Abi Talibin. The author says, وَالتُقِيُّ عَلِي بْنَ أَبِيَ طَالِبٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ Fourth one is who? It's Ali. The Prophet mentioned them in one hadith in that chronological order. When he spoke about the people who were promised Jannah, the ten that were promised Jannah, the Prophet said, أَبُو بَكْرٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَعُمَارُ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَعُثْمَانُ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَعَلِيٌّ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَطَلْحَةُ فِي الْجَنَّةِ والزبير في الجنة وعبد الرحمن بن عوف في الجنة والسعد في الجنة وسعيد بن زيد في الجنة وأبو عبيدة ابن الجراح في الجنة Four which are referred to as the what? خلفاء الراشدين and six who follow these four which make it what? these are referred to as العشرة the ten the ten which are known as Al-Mubashareen Bil Jannah, who were promised Jannah alive. Ibn Abi Dawood, he mentions them in four lines of poetry. He says, وَقُلْ إِنَّ خَيْرَ النَّاسِ بَعْدَ مُحَمَّدٍ وَزِيرَاهُ قِدْمًا ثُمَّ عُثْمَانُ الْأَرْجَحُ وَرَابِعُهُمْ خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَّةِ بَعْدَهُمْ عَلِيٌّ خَلِيفُ خَلِيفُ الْخَيْرِ بِالْخَيْرِ مُنَجِّحُ وَإِنَّهُمُ الرَّهْطُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِمُ سعيد وسعد وابن عوف وطلحة وعامر فهر والزبير الممدح Those are the five. Those are the six and those are the four. They're the best. They were all mentioned in one hadith. By the way, some people, they think that the sahabas that were promised Jannah are only ten. But they're not. They're more than that. These are, the, are referred to as the ten because they were mentioned in one hadith. Who comes after these ten? And who is after these ten? Who comes after these ten? These ten are the best. Are you? Are you? Are you those who fought in Badr? Are you what else? Are who? The ones who participated in Badr. Are we all together? Some of the scholars like Ibn Abi Al-Izz Al-Hanafi in the Sharh of Aqid Tahawiyah, he says that the Muhajireen are better than the Ansar. That the Muhajireen are what? Better than the Ansar. Because the Muhajireen are always mentioned before the what? Ansar in the Quran. They always, they're always mentioned before it. But loving the Muhajireen, I mean loving, sorry, loving the Ansar 
is a sign of Iman. The Prophet said, Ayatul Iman, Hubbul Ansar. The sign of a person's Iman is that he loves Ansar. Wa Ayatul Nifaq. And a person's a sign that he's a hypocrite is Bughdul Ansar, that he hates Ansar. In another hadith, the Prophet said, La yuhibbuhum illa mu'min. No one loves Ansar except he's a believer. And a hypocrite is the one that dislikes Ansar. Anyone who loves Ansar, Allah loves them. And anyone who dislikes Ansar, Allah will dislike you. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Al-Tahawiyu, he said, We love the Prophet's companions. We are not negligent or extreme in the love of any of the companions. And we don't free ourselves from any of the companions. And we dislike the person who dislikes them. And other than good, they are not mentioned. We only mention them in good. When we speak about them, we only speak about them in good. Loving them is iman. Loving them is excellence. Loving them is nobility. And disliking the companions is transgression and disbelief and hypocrisy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praised the Sahabas in many places in the Quran. Allah says, Muhammadur Rasulullah, Walladina ma'ahu, Ashidda'u ala al-kuffari ruhama'u baynahum, Tarahum rukka'an sujjadan, some of the scholars they said that this ayah clearly mentions that the sahabas were brought about الكفار, so the disbelievers hate them the sahabas their presence and their existence was the disbelievers to hate them. So a woman can't hate them. Are we all together, brothers? They can't hate them. And Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala in that ayah, He praised the Sahabas externally and internally. Meaning He praised their heart. What did He say? Muhammadur Rasulullah walladina ma'ahu ashiddahu ala al-kuffari ruhama'u baynahum tarahum rukka'an sujjadan yabtaguna fadlan min Allahi wa ridwana. The Sahaba's heart is that they are doing everything for the sake of Allah. So their heart is praised by Allah. And Allah also praised the companions, their actions and their doings. When you look at them, they are prostrating. The situation of the companions is that they are in sujood and ruku'. He's praising their, ac- their external actions. That's how Allah praised them subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we love them and we get closer to Allah by loving them. And Allah mentioned in the ayah, Allah has promised those who believe and come with righteous actions, min hum from amongst them, maghfiratun ajran azimam. The sahabas and all of those who come after them, who follow Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala by coming with iman and righteous actions that they're going to have jannah. Allah says in another ayah, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ Allah mentioned three groups of people. He mentioned the muhajirin, he mentioned the ansar, and then he mentioned those who follow them in good. There's no, part, there's no fourth party. 
you are either from the Muhajirin, or you're from the Ansar, or you're from those who follow them. Yes. There's no other path open for you. Muhajir, Ansar, and Walladina Tabaruhum. All three of them, what do they get? Radiallahu anhum wa radu'an. Allah is pleased with those three types of people. But those three parties of people, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala is pleased with them. So Allah is pleased with um, the Sahabas. And so we love them, radiallahu anhum. وَنُمْسِكُ عَنِ الْخَوْذِ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ That which happened between the companions, we withhold from it. We don't speak about what happened between them. What they did amongst themselves and what happened, we don't, we don't get involved. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said in a hadith, Al-Imam Al-Tabarani narrated in his Mu'jam, the Prophet said, إِذَا ذُكِرَ أَصْحَابِي If my companions are mentioned, فَأَمْسِكُوا withhold. If my companions are mentioned, withhold. I mean, don't say anything bad about them. Don't say anything. Don't say anything bad about them. تِلْكَ أُمَّةٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ These are a people who have gone forward. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ They are going to receive what they worked. وَلَكُمْ مَا كَسَبْتُمْ And you all will have what you worked for. وَلَا نُسْأَلُ عَمَّا Allah says, وَلَا تُسْأَلُونَ And they will not be asked. We will not be asked. عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ What they used to do. So we shouldn't get involved. What happened between the Sahabas? We shouldn't. And what we should see it as is the Sahabas were exerting effort to get closer to Allah. Some of them got two reward and some of them got what? One reward. As the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِذَا حَكَمَ الْحَاكِمُ When the judge judges a rule, فَاجْتَهَدَ ثُمَّ أَصَابَ And he strives hard and he exerts the effort. If he gets it right, فَلَوْ أَجْرًا He gets two reward. وَإِذَا حَكَمَ فَاجْتَهَدَ ثُمَّ أَخْطَعَ But then if he exerts effort and he strives, but he gets it wrong, فَلَهُ أَجْرٌ He only gets one reward. And then the Sahabas are between two rewards or one reward. Huh? That's what we believe. فَهُمْ خِيَارُ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ نَبِيِّهِمْ إِرْتَضَاهُمُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ لِنَبِيِّهِ وَجَعَلَهُمْ أَنصَارًا لِدِينِهِ فَهُمْ أَئِمَّةُ الدِّينِ وَأَعْلَامُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ The Sahabas are the honorable people of this earth after the Prophets. Abu Bakr, after all of the Prophets, Abu Bakr is the best. Abu Bakr after all of the prophets is the best. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he chose these people. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, inna Allah, inna Allah nadara fi qulubi al-ibadi, Allah looked at the hearts of the people. Fawajada qalba muhammadin khayra qulubi al-ibadi. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he looked at the people's hearts and he chose Nabi Muhammad as a prophet. No one's heart was good enough to be a prophet as Nabi Muhammad was. فَاصْطَفَاهُ اللَّهُ Allah chose him. وَابْتَعَثَهُ And Allah sent him to the people بِرِسَالَتِي Then Allah, he looked at the hearts of the remaining people. ثُمَّ نَظَرَ فِي قُلُوبِ الْعِبَادِ بَعْدَ قَلْبِ مُحَمَّدٍ After the heart of Nabi Muhammad. فَوَجَدَ قُلُوبَ أَصْحَابِهِ And then Allah found that the hearts that were the, one, were the most purest and the most noble was the hearts of the companions. فَجَعَلَهُمْ أَلَّا اللَّهُ مَيْدَمْ Ambassadors. Ministers around the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, yuqatiluna an dinhi who were fighting for this religion. So our hearts wasn't good enough to be companions. We were not noble enough to be companions. 
So let's not open our mouths to the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Naam. ولا يترك حضور الجمعة وصلاتها وصلاتها مع مع بر هذه الأمة وفاجرها لازم ما كان من ما كان من البدعة برية فإن فإن بتدع ضلالا فلا صلاة خلفه والجهاد مع كل إمام عدل أو جائز والحج. The author goes back to a مسألة that if the Muslim leader is oppressive and the people don't like him, that's your affairs that's up to you you still have to go to that leader and pray behind him you do have to do hajj with him you have to be with him you cannot show in any way shape or form rebellion and go against him you still have to go to the juma and the jama'at that he establishes and back in those days the muslim leaders they used to do the juma and the jama'at and the only people who won't come are the people who were rebellious there was a sign of rebelling against the leader that they want to come to the Jum'ah and the Jama'ah. The ulama al-Sunnah, they mention that you have to come and you have to pray the Salah behind him and you have to do Hajj with him and you have to, huh? Because they used to do that at that time. Whether he's oppressive and whether he's a just leader, it doesn't matter. You cannot show any shape or form that you're going against him. The author then says, فَمَنِ ابْتَدَعَ ضَلَانًا فَلَا صَلَاةَ خَلْفَ وَالْجِهَادَ مَعَ كُلِّ إِمَامٍ عَدْلٍ أَوْ جَائِرٍ وَالْحَجُّ What about if the leader, he prays the salah late? He delays it so much that the salah time finishes. What do you do? Do you not come? No, what you do is you pray the salah in your house and you come and you pray with him again. You're not allowed to show any form of rebellion. That's what Abdullah ibn Umar and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to do for the leaders of their time. Walid ibn Uqba one time, he led Salatul Fajr and he was drunk. Imagine Abdullah ibn Mas'ud praying behind him. And when he turned around, he said, shall I pray more for you guys? Shall I, shall I add extra rak'ah in there for you? Do you want me to pray more rak'ah? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, ever since you came, all you do is you pray salah in a way that's not befitting the sunnah. But he always used to come to the salah. And he would pray behind him. But he would pray his correct salah where? In his house. And he would make sure that he prayed there on the right time. And then when he would come, he would what? He would pray with him. So that it doesn't show any form of rebellion. Well, You do jihad with that leader. Whether he's an oppressive leader or not. If he's commands the army to go and fight in it. you listen if the Muslim leader says to the people we have to fight you follow his command he still has obedience over you he's oppressive he's taking the people's money unjustly he still listen to that's what the sheikh is saying whether he's an oppressive leader or whether he's a just leader if he says to the people you come with come with me to hajj you go with him to Hajj. You can't show rebelling in any way, shape, or form. Naam. وإقصار الصلاة في الأسفار والاختيار فيه بين الصيام والإفطار والإفطار في الأسفار إن شاء صام وإن شاء أفطر. The author, rahimahullah, here he mentions some مسائل which are مسائل فقهية. This is the issue of fiqh. 
But sometimes Ahlul Sunnah used to mention some fiqh issues in Aqeedah books because a group of deviated group didn't want to accept it. So shortening the salah whilst a traveler. This is a, we have evidences for this. If you're a traveler, you have the right to choose whether you want to fast or break your fast. Ramadan is in, you're traveling to a country, your country, you're taking a plane. Do you want to fast or not? This is your choice. You make that choice. If you want, you can fast. And if you want, you can break your fast. Which one is better? Is it better to break your fast? Or is it better to fast? Which one is better? This is where the scholars, they differed amongst themselves. Um, which one is better? There are some narrations that state is better to take the ease. Because the, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Allah loves for the slave to take the ease that he has given him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way that he loves for him to come with the obligatory things that he obliged upon him. Allah loves for you to come with the rukhas and that which he made easy for you. And some of the narrations, it states that the Prophet ﷺ, he gave the people the choice to do whichever of them which they want. Anyways, whichever of them is best for the traveler goes back to which of them aid him in his ibadah. Are we all together? If he fasts whilst traveling and then he becomes sick and tired and weak and fatigued, then it's not good to do that. But if he fasts and he can get energy and everything and he's good, then that's not a problem. It might be better for him to fast. Now. هذه مقالات وأفعال اجتمع عليها الماضون الأولون من أئمة الهدى وبتوفيق الله اعتصم بها, بها التابعون قد قدوة, قدوة ورضا وجانب التكلف فيما كفوا فسددوا بعون الله ووفقوا لم يرغبوا عن الاتباع, لم يرغبوا عن الاتباع فيقصر فيقصر ولم يجاوزوه تزيدا فيعتدوا فنحن بالله واثقون وعليه متوكلون وإليه في اتباع آثارهم راغبون The author رحمه الله says all of this which I mentioned in this book اجتمع عليه الماضون والأولون The early generation and the scholars who came after them, all of them, they unanimously agree upon this one. This is a mess. This is ijma'. It's a consensus. There's no difference of opinion. In this aqidah book, what I'm mentioning, all of it is ijma'. So what do we have to do, brothers? We have to believe in the way that they believed. Their guidance. The Prophet وسلم, what did he say to us? The best of generation is what? My generation and those who come after and those who come after. So that's why he said, الأولون, The early people who passed us, this is what they all agreed upon. So we need to follow the early people. We want to be upon the aqidah and the belief of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. They all agreed upon this, he's saying. This is what they all believed in. وَبِتَوْفِيقِ اللَّهِ اعْتَصَمَ بِهَا التَّابِعُونَ قُدْوَةً وَرِضَى and the tabi'een, they took this from the sahabas. The tabi'een, this is what they took from the sahabas. And they stayed away from initiating anything new. 
They sufficed themselves with what they, what they mentioned, meaning the Sahabas. They didn't bring anything new to the table. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, Follow and submit to what the early generation was upon. You have been sufficed. You don't need to come up with anything new. They took the middle path. The people, subhanAllah, I mentioned this many times, Shaytan, he always tries to do this to people. He'll either make you go extreme in exaggeration or extreme in negligence. But the religion is what? In the middle. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, the religion is ease it's simplicity there isn't a person who comes and makes it too hard and complicated on the people except that he would what um, it would overcome him and so many people they stop practicing the deen and they stop being practicing Muslims because they went extreme extreme ya ikhwa stay in the middle being in the middle is good. It's safety. Now. Hada sharhu sunnati tahri'a 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 kashfaha wa awdahtuha faman wafaqahu allahu lilqiyami bima abantahu ma'a ma'unatihi lahu bilqiyami ala adai faraidihi bilihtiyati fil najasat wa izbaghi al-taharati ala al-ta'ati wa adai al-salati wa ala al-istita'at wa ita'i al-zakati ala ahli al-jiddati wa al-hajji ala ahli al-jiddati wa al-istita'at wa siyami al-shahri li ahli al-sihati لأهل الصحة وخمس صلوات سنها رسول الله سنها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة الوتر في كل ليلة في كل ليلة ليلة وركعتي الفجر وصلاة وصلاة الفطر والنح وصلاة كسوف الشمس والقمر إذا نزلت وصلاة الاستسقاء متى وجب واجتناب المحارم والاحتراز من النميمة والكذب والغيبة والبغي بغير الحق وأن يقال على الله ما لا يعلم كل هذا كبائر محرمات فمن رعى حول الحما فإنه يوشك أن يواقع الحما فمن يسر لهذا فإنه من الدين على هدى ومن ومن الرحمة على رجاء وعلى رجاء ووفقنا الله ووفقنا الله وإياك إلى سبيله الأقوم بمنه 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 الجزيل الجزيل الأقدم وجلاله العلي الأكرم والسلام على من قرأ علينا السلام ولا ينال سلام الله الضالين والحمد لله رب العالمين. The author رحمه الله after he mentioned the عقيدة أهل السنة والجماعة he mentioned righteous actions that one can do and this is something very important. That an Imam al-Muzani is pointing out for us here Which is Some people they believe I just have to have good aqidah And my actions can be very bad It's not right Your good aqidah should lead to righteous action It should show on your ibadat Are you a person who does many ibadat? Do you pray qiyamul layl? Do you read Quran? Do you fast? Do you uh, 
How is your um, akhlaq and your, uh, your dealings with people? Are you arrogant? Are you, how are you as a person? Walidalika, the scholars, when they wrote aqidah books, they were mentioned after that, way that a person should act and things that he or she, or she should stay away from. Ibn Taymiyyah did that in Aqidul Wasatiyah as well. Why? Write this down. Ibn Al Qayyim said, very powerful statement. He said, Fakullama kan al Abdu bima bi'a fakullama kan al Abdu. Every time a person's knowledge, any time, every time a person's knowledge of Allah's names and attributes increase i.e. aqidah every time your, your knowledge of Allah's name and Allah's attributes it increases your knowledge of Allah becomes more you see the more you take one of the names of Allah and you read it, read it, read it and you understand it and you study it and you study it in more details the more you know Allah more than anybody else and look what he said walahu atlab and you go look, looking for Allah Taala more than anyone else. أقرب, and you're more closer to Allah than everyone else. That's very important. I repeat it. Every time a person's knowledge of Allah's names and attributes increases, your knowledge of Allah Taala increases. And your Seeking of Allah Taala increases, and you become closer to Allah than anyone else. And then he said the opposite. And the more that you are distanced from the names of Allah and His attributes, the more that you are absent-minded from Allah's names and attributes, then you are more ignorant about Allah than anyone else. And you are more disliked to trying to attain the pleasing of Allah than anyone else. And you are more distanced than, to Allah than anyone else. So you see, aqidah learning it leads to the person working hard to get closer to Allah. So today you study the method and for example, Allah's name, Ar-Rahman. And then you said, Allah, Allah is merciful. And then this brought about a characteristic in you which is to what? Have hope in Allah, ta'ala. Troubles come in your life and you say, Arhamur Rahimin. The most merciful will not abandon me. See, the more you study the name, the more you learn it, the more you study it, the more you study it, the more it will change your life and the way that you walk and talk. So it makes no sense, brothers, that a person studies these aqidah books and then he's the most foul-languaged person, the most arrogant person, the most... Two people don't want to sit with you because of the way you are. There's a khalal here. There's a problem here with what? With studying these aqidah books. Especially the last portion of it. Then the author, rahimahullah, mentions some things that a person whose aqidah is good needs to be doing. It's a problem if you're not doing these things. And they are what? Al-Qiyamu ala ada'i fara'idhi That you deem the obligatory things upon you. Ah. The wajibat? You're not lexidaisical on the wajibat. 
you're not. You're going to the masjid. You are praying the salawat al-wajibat on the right time. Ah. You stay away from the impurities. What he means by this is stay away from uh, not being in a state of tahara. And he's taking this from the hadith of the Prophet where he said, Stay away from urine. Don't let urine touch you. The overwhelming majority of people who are going to be punished in their graves is because of urine. The overwhelming majority of people. Another thing is, wudu. You see brothers who are aqeedah, there's no problem with it. But when you see them do wudu, you're like, subhanallah, the wudu is wrong. They splash the water over their face. This is all they think their face is. Ha. Their legs, their heels and everything. You're like, where did you learn how to do wudu? It's bagul wudu. The Prophet said in a hadith, Shall I not tell you something? Because of it, Allah will take away from you your sins. And your station will be risen. You have a high station. The Sahabas, they said, Bala ya Rasulullah. Of course, O Messenger of Allah. Placing the water over yourself fully and doing wudu at the times when your body doesn't like it. Fajr, waking up and to do wudu. And walking so much to the masjid. And staying from one prayer to the other prayer for verily, this is what? This is a ghanima. It's a ghanima. The author then says, salawat, praying the salah, the obligatory prayer. Hafidhu ala salati wa salati al-wusta wa qumu lillahi qaniteen. Wa ita'i zakati ala al-ahli al-jadat. Giving from your wealth. Wal hajj ala ahli al-jidati wal istita'at. Doing hajj. If you have good aqeedah, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go and do hajj. Walillahi ala al-nasi hajj al-bayti man istata'a ilayhi sabila. Going and doing Hajj. Umar radiallahu anhu said, Man mata, wa lam Umar said, Anyone who has the ability to do Hajj and doesn't do Hajj, فليمت على أي حال شاء, let him die in whatever situation he wishes, Yahudiyan or Nasraniyan, Christian or Jew, whatever he wishes. And then Umar held the opinion that anyone who doesn't do Hajj and has the ability is not a Muslim. Because the ayah says, Anyone who disbelieves. But that's not a strong opinion, of course. Uh, but it's opinion Umar held, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That should be scary. That should be scary for many of us if we haven't done Hajj. Fasting in the month of Ramadan. It's only a short period of days. It's not forever. If you're sick or you're a traveler, you can bring it back another time. Then the author said something very... These are the wajibat, by the way. Now he goes into the sunnah. He says five prayers which are sunnah after the obligatory prayers. Write these down. Five prayers... If your aqidah is good, brothers, you withhold, you hold on to these five. Your, your aqidah is good, this shows. The first one is Salatul Witri fi kulli laylatin. Every night you pray Salatul Witri. 
Salatul Witri. Witri is the, salat, the odd prayer that you pray at night. The messenger, if he was a traveler or whether he was a resident somewhere, he would never miss Witr. He wouldn't. And he, would, he used to advise his companions. And he would say to them, Ya Ahl al-Qur'an, utiru. The people of the Qur'an, do Witr. Ah. Do Witr. And then the Prophet would say, Inna Allah Witrun, yuhibbul Witr. Allah is odd and he loves odd. Allah is one. وَرَكْعَتَيْ fajr. The two rak'ah before fajr. The messenger never used to leave these two rak'ah. The Prophet said, رَكْعَتَا الْفَجَرِ The two rak'ah of fajr, خَيْرٌ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا فِيهَا It is better than this dunya and everything in it. يَا أَهْلَ السُنَّةِ Do these. Number three is, وَصَلَاةِ الْفِطْرِ وَالنَّحْرِ عِيدُ الْفِطْرِ and عِيدُ الْأَضْحَى Both of those عيد, you don't miss them. And this is Fardun ala al-kifaya. It's a communal obligation according to some scholars and some scholars they actually believe it's obligatory. And we won't go into that right now. And the fourth, the fourth prayer is Salatul Kusufi Shamsi Wal Qamar. The eclipse that just happened the other day. Okay? Whether it be the solar or the lunar, right? Eclipse, it doesn't matter. You pray those two, you pray those rak'at. The Prophet said about that, he said, Inna shamsa wal qamara, the sun and the moon, eclipse happens to it. La yakhsifani li mawti ahadin wa la li hayati. It doesn't happen because someone died or someone was born. Walakinnahuma ayatani min ayatillah, they are a sign from the signs of Allah. Yuriyahuma ibadah, Allah wants to show this sign to his creation. Fa'idha ra'aytum dalik, if you see that sign, fafza'u. Run, and the word faza' brothers means run with fear in your hearts. Fafza'u ila salati, run to the prayer. Scared. Why are we scared? Because this can be a sign of the hour coming. the Prophet whenever it would rain very severely and the clouds would come together, the Prophet would enter and he would leave, and he would enter his house and he would leave with, with shock on his face. And the, 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 the Prophet was once asked, Ya Rasulullah, it's only rain that's going to come down. And then the Prophet recited the ayah فَلَمَّا رَأُوهُ عَارِضًا مُسْتَقَبِلَ أَوْدِيَتِهِمْ قَالُوا هَذَا عَارِضٌ مُمْطِرُنَا بَلْ هُوَ مَسْتَعْجَلْتُمْ بِهِ رِيحٌ فِيهَا عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ That can be a punishment sometimes. What is it that destroyed the people of Nuh? Rain. صح? <coughs> the fifth prayer is صَلَاةُ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ مَتَى وَجَبُ صَلَاةُ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ صَلَاةُ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ is the salah where you are asking Allah for rain. You are asking Allah for rain. Ha. The people haven't had rain for a long time. There's a salah that they pray. They beg Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. These five, after you've perfected, after you've done the wajibat, these are the five that you hold on to, brothers. Because your aqidah leads to these five. Okay? Then the author, rahimahullah, he spoke about things that you need to stay away from. Stay away from the maharim. Stay away from things which are haram. Allah says, if you stay away from the major sins, Allah says, we will expiate for you your sins and we will enter you into a good entering, meaning we will give you a good life. That's what Allah promised, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Staying away from those what? Staying away from those things. What are the, one of the major sins? The Prophet said, Stay away from the seven things that dip you into the hellfire. 
Ya Rasul, the companions they said, Wama hunna Ya Rasulullah. What are they? The Prophet said, Ashirku billah, associating partners with Allah. Wasihru, magic. Waqatlu nafsi lati haram Allahu illa bilhaq, killing an innocent individual. Waakli riba, eating riba. Waakli mali liyatim, eating the wealth of the orphans. Watawali yom al zahf, running away in the battlefield when the two armies meet one another. Waqatfil muhsanat, il mu'minat, il ghafilat. Accusing a chaste woman of zina that which she didn't commit, saying that this woman, yeah, she's a zani, she committed zina. These are the seven things that will dip you into the hellfire. I repeat, the first one is ashirku billah, associating partners with Allah. The second one is magic. The third one is killing an innocent individual. The fourth one is riba. The fifth one is aklil mali yatim, eating the wealth of the orphans. The sixth one is watawliyom al zahf, running away when the two armies meet. The two armies are in front of each other. You're not allowed to run. You're not allowed to run. You can run if you can return back if you want to before the armies meet. Ah, but once the two armies see each other, you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to run. You're not allowed to run. وقد في المحسنات المؤمنات الغافلات accusing innocent women of that which they've not committed. والاحتراز من النميمة the author said stay away from backbiting. Staying away from what? Tail-bearing. And namima is what? Is tail-bearing. You know what so-and-so said to you? And so-and-so said this about you. Stay away from namima. Wal-kadhib. Stay away from lying. Wal-ghiba. Stay away from backbiting. The author is mentioning all of this. Stay away from all of that. وَلَا يَغْتَبْ بَعْضُكُمْ بَعْضًا أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا فَكَرِهْتُمُوا Don't backbite one another. It's a very bad characteristics. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا تحاسدوا ولا تناجشوا ولا تباغضوا ولا تدابروا ولا يبع بعضكم على بيع بعض وكونوا عباد الله إخوانا المسلم أخ المسلم Do not have jealousy towards one another. Do not take each other's wealth in ways that are not pleasing to Allah. In other words, you say, I'll buy better than this person. Don't go for his bay'an. Don't turn your backs on one another. Do not boycott one another and hate one another. Don't do all of these. Be brothers. The author says, do not oppress one another. Don't say about the religion what you don't have knowledge of. Don't speak about the religion if you have no knowledge of it. This is halal, this is haram. وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصِفُوا أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبِ هَذَا حَلَالٌ وَهَذَا حَرَامٌ لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ Don't speak about the religion with no evidence. Oh, this is halal. Oh, this is haram. If you don't have no knowledge, take it back to the people of knowledge. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعَلَمُونَ in your income, your food, what you drink, what you wear. Be diligent in all of that. A person whose aqeed is good, these things he takes care of. Stay away from desires. And then he mentioned the famous hadith 
where the Prophet said, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنُونَ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنُونَ وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُرُ مُشْتَبِهَاتِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ فَمَنْ اتَّقَى الشُّبْهَاتِ فَقَدْ اسْتَبْرَأَ لِدِينِ وَعِرْضِهِ وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبْهَاتِ وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ كَالْرَاعِ يَرْعَى حَوْلَ الْحِمَى يُوشِكُ أَنْ يَرْتَعَى فِيهِ ألا وإن لكل ملك حما ألا وإن حما الله محارمه ألا وإن في الجسد مضغة إذا صلحت صلح الجسد كله وإذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله ألا وهي القلب which we will mention إن شاء الله تعالى in the كتاب أربعون النووية ووفقنا الله وإياكم إلى سبيل الأقوام the author said to the person who asked him to write the book may Allah guide you and myself to that which is good بمنه الجزيل الأقدم وجلاله العلي الأكرم والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعلى من قرأ علينا السلام ولا ينال السلام ولا ينال سلام الله الضالين والحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. We finished the كتاب شرح السنة الإمام المزني and now we're going to inshallah تعالى start the second the third book. مقدمة في أصول التفسير. But before I start I want to say who's uh, researched the homework last night. Yeah? Who looked at the homework? Hey, Fadal. There to have two opinions. Four opinions. Can you, can you run us through it, some of them? Yeah, don't worry. Google knows a lot. Allah barik. He doesn't have to physically be there. Hey, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyone else come across any other? Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. It's your opportunity. Hey. <laughs> It was his voice, not him physically being there. Mm. Hayye. Any other opinions? Hayye. He wasn't allowed to be in the gathering of the angels. Ajeeb. Hayye. Allahumma barik. Hayye. Any other opinions? The shaitan runs in the blood and he doesn't have to be in Jannah. Hmm. Any other opinions? MashaAllah. Their opinion that I hold the best is Allahu A'lam. <laughs> Sidqan. There are more than 28 views in this issue. How many views? None of them have any concrete evidence. None of them have what? And yesterday, that is what I was looking for. Anyone to say, Allahu A'lam, bis. That's the best answer. No one knows how it happened. Our minds and our brains cannot comprehend it, brothers. Yeah? Hadahu. That's all. Sheikh Islam Taymi, when he went into the issue, he stuck with Allahu A'lam. وَالْكُلُّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَنَاحِ الْأَرْبَعَ يَقُولُ لَا أَدْرِي فَكُنْ مُتَّبِعًا the scholars and the people of knowledge when it comes to these kind of issues and there is no evidence. It's just mere opinions. 
Everyone's just trying to explain it with their, with their effort and hard work. What we say at this point is, we need delil. And there is no delil that clearly and categorically tells us the situation here. So what do we say? Ya ikhwa, we say, Allahu A'lam. No, there isn't. There isn't. So inshallah ta'ala, anytime you ever ask a question, the first answer you should learn to give is what? First of all, say Allahu Akbar. Are you with me? I'll tell you a funny story. Al-Alama Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiyatiyu. You all know Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiyatiyu, right? The author of the kitab Adwa al-Bayan. Yeah, the great Mufassir. The teacher of Ibn Baz. Ibn Baz's teacher. They said that he used to be, he was a teacher in Jamia Islamiyah, Medina. Medina University. You all know Medina University, right? Medina Islamic University. He was a teacher there. He used to teach in the Jamia. And so what they did was, they made him an invigilator. You all know what an invigilator is, right? An invigilator is a person who uh, observes the students in the exam. He checks them if they're doing their exams properly, and if they're not cheating. That's what an invigilator is, right? So Muhammad Amin al-Shaqir was made an invigilator, and he was told to look after. So sometimes some of the students would put their hands up, and he, he would come over, and they would say, Shaykh, what's the answer to this question? And he would give it to them. So Muhammad Amin al-Shaqir would tell them. All of the students came, and who was the mudir of the jamia? Who was the dean of the university? Shaykh Ibn Baz. Ibn Baz was the dean of the university. Are we all together? And so many of the students came to, the, sorry, the news reached Ibn Baz that Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqitiyu tells the students the answers in the exam. He's given it to them. So Sheikh Ibn Baz called Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqitiyu and he said to him, is this true? Amin al-Shanqitiyu said, yes, I do. I tell them the answers. He said, why? He said, did the Prophet not say, Man ilmin Anyone who has asked a question and he chooses to hold back the answer of that question, he will come the day of judgment with a rope in his mouth. They asked me an Islamic knowledge. It's my job to answer these people's questions. I have to give the fatwa. وَإِذْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِثَاقَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ لَتُبَيِّنُنَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ وَلَا تَكْتُمُونَ Allah took a covenant with the people of knowledge that you will clarify the issue to them and you will not conceal it. Shaykh Ibn Basit, but it's a test. Amin al-Shaqiyatiyah said, this isn't, I'm not going to lose my akhirah for you, Ibn Baz. <laughs> Shaykh Ibn Baz then said, Shaykh Ibn, ba- Shaykh Ibn Baz said, okay, what we will do is we will take you off the invigilation. <laughs> Amin al-Shaqiyatiyah said, that's the safe way, inshallah. Uh, another story that happened between Ibn Baz and Albani. Shaykh Al-Albani, rahimahullah, he used to drive very fast and he believed the sunnah of the Prophet of riding your beast fast. By the way, I'm not encouraging you guys to do that. I'm, don't drive fast on the road. Follow the law and stay safe, brothers, okay? Like in Albani used to drive very, very fast. Even one time, his car tumbled over. Um, he had an accident and the car tumbled over. But he was a very fast driver. In Medina, he was well known, Albani, that he used to drive fast in Medina. So they told Ibn Baz, 
Albani was also a teacher in Jamia Islamiyah Medina. And who was the dean of the university? A Sheikh Ibn Baz. Sheikh Ibn Baz was what? The dean of the university. So they told him, they said, Sheikh, Albani drives fast and he's, he does this and he believes this is a sunnah min sunnati Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa hakada. What do you say? Sheikh Ibn Ubal said it's haram, la yajuz, and it's not, and he gave his fatwa. They came and they told the fatwa to Sheikh Albani. Sheikh Albani read the fatwa, or he, he was informed of the fatwa, and then he said, Sheikh Ibn Albani saying this, there's a qa'idah in usul al-fiqh, which is al-hukmu ala shay'un far'un an tasawuri. In order to give a ruling on something, you have to have perception, right? He said, Ibn Baz is blind, he can't see. He can't see, he's given a ruling or something he can't see. So we won't take it. They took the fatwa to Sheikh Ibn Baz and they said, Sheikh Ibn Baz Albani said this. <laughs> Sheikh Ibn Baz said, Sahih, he's right. He's given a fatwa on something that he also hasn't perceived. He's never been in an accident where he's killed someone where he had to pay blood money. Are we all together? He used the same qa'idah of Ibn Sheikh al-Bani rahimahullah. Ala kulli hal, they had nothing against each other. This is their, their way of loving one another. And subhanAllah, one time, three of them met in Hajj. Who were the three? Sheikh Ibn Baz and Sheikh al-Bani and Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin. They met each other in Hajj. And the people, this was in Arafah. And the people wanted to ask questions. So Sheikh Ibn Baz said to the people, anyone who has a, imagine it's a momentous time, it's the three biggest men in the world at that time. So Sheikh Ibn Baz said, anyone who has any hadith related questions, that the question is going to be directed towards who? Sheikh Al-Albani. And if the question is Aqeedah related, Sheikh Ibn Baz said, I will answer it. And if it's fiqh related, Sheikh, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin is going to answer it. So they were, they, were they were distributing the questions like that. Aqeedah came, Ibn Baz. Fiqh came, Ibn Uthaymin. Hadith-related question, Albani. The questions finished, Salah time came. Everyone is waiting who's going to lead the Salah. Because all three of them can't lead. Who's going to lead? Only one person. They stood up. By the way, keeping in mind, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin is roughly 20-something or maybe even 30 years younger than both of the Ibn Baz and Albani. He's very young, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, compared to Albani Ibn Baz. So Ibn Baz said to Sheikh Al-Albani, lead us. No, Sheikh Ibn Baz, Albani said to Ibn Baz, no, you lead. This is where it was the most emotional moment, which is Sheikh Ibn Baz said to Sheikh Al-Albani, you lead us in the prayer and teach us, educate us of how the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ was. Albani, teach us the salah of the Prophet ﷺ. From the salam, from the takbir to the salam. And Shaykh Albani already has on this what? 
هذا كتاب كل صفة صلاة النبي من التكبير إلى التسليم كأنك تراها. So Sheikh Al-Albani stood up and he led the prayer and he did his salah. This shows what? The relationship between these great imams. May Allah Taala have mercy upon each and every one of them. It's ajeeb. They died all one year after. They were all three of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Omar, yeah, yeah. And two years, I think, between. Ibn Uthaymin was the last person to die. Ibn Baz died first, Albani next, and then Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin. And the presence of these three imams had, to be very honest, had Ahlul Sunnah united all around the world. Sidqan. If you lived that time, or even if you read it, the division that came after their death was apparent, it was clear. Even, subhanAllah, when they differed upon their fatwas, their fatwas, if they differed on a mas'ala, a fatwa, Shaykh Ibn Abbas said something, Ibn Uthaymin said something, Albani said something, if it happened. Brothers, if that happened, you could always see the division amongst the Muslims. And when they died, of course, the division was what? No. May Allah resurrect us with the righteous people, the prophets and the scholars and the people of knowledge. Hmm? He became blind. In, I, heard, I read from his life, he became blind when he was 18. 18, he was a teen when he became blind. He was a mufti of Saudi Arabia. Rahimahullah ta'ala. We don't kill the innocent people, no. No, we said, we said jihad. Jihad is something that's legislated, meaning it's haq, it's true. No, he's taking the money of the people is unjust. We don't do, we don't. But then he's calling us to a legislated jihad here, for example. We follow him. He's taking people's money unjustly, but he's praying dhuhr here. We pray with him. In the unjust actions that he does, we don't follow him in it. If he's killing innocent people, we don't kill him with him. If he's taking innocent people's money and he tells us, come take it with me, we won't do it. But then we still come to the other actions that he does, we follow him in it, that are good. Anyone, parents, your children, anyone who tells you to do it, not just him. No. Was it in this class? Was it this class? This this Dora? Okay, I'm going to explain it in Kitab al-Waraqat when we speak about it. We're going to come to that, inshallah. That's why I left it. Because some groups of people came and they put Ali ibn Abi Talib over everybody else. And they said Ali is better than everybody. And then within that, some of them even became more extreme. That's why it became important to mention who's virtuous and not. 
الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين, والتابعون والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى We're now going to start the kitab مقدمة في أصول التفسير This book is written by Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah رحمه الله And what we're going to learn from this book is The science of أصول التفسير How do we do tafsir of the Quran? That's what we're going to learn. Naam. Alhamdulillahi nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudilla lahu wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taslima أما بعد فقد سألني بعض الإخوان أن أكتب له مقدمة تتضمن قواعد كلية تعين على فهم القرآن ومعرفة تفسيره ومعانيه والتمييز في منقول ذلك ومعقوله وبين الحق وأنواع الأباطيل والتنبيه على الدليل والفاصل بين الأقاويل فإن الكتب المصنفة في التفسير مشحونة بالغث والسمين والباطل الواضح والحق المبين والعلم إما نقل مصدق عن معصوم وإما قول عليه دليل معلوم وما سوى هذا فإما مزيف مردود وإما موقوف لا يعلم أنه يهبهرج ولا منقود والحاجة الأمة ماسة إلى فهم القرآن الذي هو حبل الله المتين والذكر الحكيم والصراط المستقيم الذي لا تزيغ به الأهواء ولا تلتبس به الألسن ولا يخلق, ولا يخلق على كثرة الترديد ولا تنقضي عجائبه وعجائبه ولا, يش ولا يشبع منه العلماء من قال به صدق ومن عمل به أجير ومن حكم به عدل ومن دعا إليه هدي إلى صراط مستقيم ومن تركه من جبار قصمه الله ومن ابتغى الهدى في غيره أضله الله قال تعالى فإما يأتينكم مني هدى فمن اتبع هداي فلا يضل ولا يشقى ومن أعرض عن ذكري فإن له معيشة ضنكا ونحشره يوم القيامة أعمى قال رب لم حشرتني أعمى وقد كنت بصيرا قال كذلك أتتك آياتنا فنسيتها وكذلك اليوم تنسى وقال تعالى قد جاءكم رسولنا يبين لكم كثيرا مما كنتم تخفون من الكتاب ويعفو عن كثير قد جاءكم من الله نور وكتاب مبين يهدي به الله من اتبع رضوانه سبل السلام ويخرجهم من الظلمات إلى النور بإذنه ويهديهم إلى صراط مستقيم وقال تعالى ألف لام راء كتاب أنزلناه إليك لتخرج الناس من الظلمات إلى النور بإذن ربهم إلى صراط العزيز الحميد الله الذي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض 
وقال تعالى وكذلك أوحينا إليك روحا من أمرنا ما كنت تدري ما الكتاب ولا الإيمان ولكن جعلناه نورا نهدي به من نشاء من عبادنا وإنك لتهدي إلى صراط مستقيم صراط الله الذي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض ألا إلى الله تصير الأمور وقد كتبت هذه المقدمة المقدمة مختصرة بحسب مقدمة مختصرة بحسب تيسير الله تعالى من إملاء الفؤاد والله الهادي إلى سبيل الرشاد. The author رحمه الله he wrote this book and he himself mentioned that he wrote this book from memory. Ibn Taymiyyah wrote this from memory. He said at the ending right now he said. وَقَدْ كَتَبْتُ هَذِهِ الْمُقَدِّمَةِ مُخْتَصَرَةً بِحَسِّ بِتَيْسِيرِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى مِنْ إِمْلَاءِ الْفُؤَادِ I wrote from إِمْلَاءِ الْفُؤَادِ means from the top of my heart. وَاللَّهُ الْهَادِي إِلَى سَبِيلِ الرَّشَادِ That's how he was. These scholars, they, they were amazing. So he sat down and he quickly scribbled what was in his head. And today we take it in Dawrat. Dawrat. Hoping we're going to finish it in hours. If you sit down and you look at the references that he used, the calculation that I reached in all of the references that he used is 120 references he used. All which he got from where? If I sat down and every statement of his, I went to his, his original reference, every place he spoke and he brought a quote, if I went to the reference, it would be 120 references. And another brother said he, he found 128 references. Okay? All of that is from his hifz. This risal is very small. The same is aqidatul tahawi, aqidatul wasatiya. He wrote it from memory. Are we all together, brothers? What shocks is that he's going to mention the statements of Ibn Abbas, how he said it. He memorized it. Ibn, uh, Ibn Abbas, what he said. He will bring you Mujahid said this, Suddi said this, tafsir of the ayats and the wordings. All from memory. And this is how he was like, Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah. They said he used to look at things once and he'd put it down and he would say it. When he went to Egypt and he met the leader of Egypt because he wanted the Egyptian leader to give him an army to fight against the Tatar in Sham, he entered onto the leader and he spoke to him and he said to him that he wants uh, an army. Help. Next to the leader was the great Mufti Ibn Daqiq al-Eid. Whoever knows Ibn Daqiq al-Eid knows him. Ibn Daqiq is an Imam himself. He was sitting there for the first time he meets Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah enters and he wants to talk about the importance of giving him an army so they can go and fight against the Tatar who were killing the people and they were killing the women in Sham. So the leader listened. Ibn Taymiyyah min hibdihi he brought all of the ayat of jihad that he needed. All of them, ayat tahadid al-jihad. He read them from memory. When he finished reading them, he brought all of the ahadiths of jihad from memory. Then he went to the aqwal of the self and their statements. And then the views of the madahibs. And the rulings that is pertaining to this particular situation. All min hifdi. Ibn al-Daqiq al-Eid was an imam. He has a kitab called Al-Imam, which is four volumes. His sharah of Umdatul Ahkam Ibn al-Daqiq al-Eid is the best sharah. He said his mouth dropped when he saw Ibn Taymiyyah. And then he said, I saw a man. 
I saw a man, Allah placed knowledge in front of his eyes. In fr- like he's got everything in front of him. He takes whatever he wants and he leaves off whatever he doesn't want to use for that moment. The best description that was given about Ibn Taymiyyah is he is like you guys know right? the green dome in Palestine uh, filled with books the green dome and the whole masjid like this masjid filled up with books and was given a tongue to speak that's the description that was gave, given by him Zamlakani, who was the greatest enemy of Ibn Taymiyyah, hated Ibn Taymiyyah, hated him. You know what he said about him? He said, Ibn Taymiyyah, no one's ever seen like him. We've never seen anyone like him, and he, Ibn Taymiyyah, has never seen anyone like himself. He's a man. Some of the scholars, they went overboard and they said, if he lived at the time of the Salaf, they would have been amazed with him. His ilm and his faham and his diqqatunadar was ajeeb jiddin. Ibn Taymiyyah said, I know all of the groups, all of the groups in any religion. I know where they started, who started it, and their ideologies and their belief. I know every of it. Every tawa'if that walked this earth once upon a time, I know them. I know who, sta- who started it. What were, these, what were their ideologies? How they placed everything down? I know it all. Are we all together, brothers? When he refuted the Sha'ira and all these groups, and they took from the books of the philosophers and the Yunan, he said to them, look, you guys are misquoting them. This is not what they said. Because he used to read, Ibn Taymiyyah used to read Hebrew. He knew Hebrew. So he used to read it, like he used to read in Arabic language. Of course he has. He's got Dal'u Ta'arudul Aqlu Wal Naql, which is 10 volumes. He's got books, 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 not book. Books. Not book, books, books, books. I saw ulama, ulama, who said we can't read Ibn Taymiyyah's works. I read in the life of Sheikh Ibn Baz, he said that Daru Ta'arud al-Aql wal-Naql, I'm not going to read it. Ibn Baz said that. I read it in the Hayat and the life of Sheikh Ibn Baz. It's a 10 volume book. Because of the shubhas that Ibn Taymiyyah is bringing forward, it's so strong and so powerful you would have to have a caliber of knowledge to know his response on it. If you, the shubha gets your heart and you don't understand the response, it might connect to your heart. Sheikh Mubayat said, I don't want that. I don't want to read that. That's the caliber and the sta- station of who? Ibn Taymiyyah. So he wrote this book from memory and it was a book he was asked. Are you with me? There was a book that he was asked to write and he wrote it. The book he said he wrote it for a person who wants to learn how to do tafsir. How do you, want to, how do, you do tafsir? What do you not do in tafsir? He wrote it for you. So inshallah ta'ala we won't waste much time. We're going to go into the book inshallah ta'ala. Naam. Faslun fi anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bayyana li ashabihi ma'an yal-Qur'an 
يجب أن أن يعلم أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بين لأصحابه معاني القرآن كما بين لهم ألفاظه فقوله تعالى لتبين للناس ما نزل إليهم يتناول هذا وهذا وقد قال أبو عبد الرحمن السلمي حدثنا الذين كانوا يقرؤوننا القرآن كعثمان بن عفان وعبد الله بن مسعود وغيرهما أنهم كانوا إذا تعلموا من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر آيات لم يجاوزوها حتى 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 يتعلموا ما فيها من العلم والعمل قالوا فتعلمنا القرآن والعلم والعمل جميعا ولهذا كانوا كانوا يبقون مدة حفظ مدة في حفظ سورة في حفظ السورة وقال أنس كان الرجل إذا قرأ البقرة وآل عمران جد في أعيننا وأقام ابن وأقام ابن عمر على على حفظ البقرة عدة سنين قيل ثماني قيل ثماني قيل ثماني سنين ذكره مالك وذلك أن الله تعالى قال كتاب أنزلناه إليك مبارك ليدبروا آياته وقال أفلا يتدبرون القرآن وقال أفلم يدبروا القول وتدبر, وتدبر, وتدبر الكلام بدون فهم معانيه لا يمكن وكذلك قال تعالى إنا أنزلناه قرآنا عربيا لعلكم تعقلون وعقل الكلام, مت وعقل الكلام متضمن لفهمه ومن المعلوم أن كل كلام فالمقصود منه فهم معانيه دون دون مجرد الالفاظ دون مجرد الفاظ الفاظه فالقران فالقران اولى بذلك وايضا فالعاده تمنع ان يقرا قوما كتابا في فن من العلم كالطب والحساب ولا يستش ولا يستشرحوه فكيف بكلام الله تعالى تعالى الذي هو عصمتهم وبه نجاتهم وسعادتهم وقيام دينهم ودنياهم ولهذا كان النزاع بين الصحابة في تفسير القرآن قليلا جدا وهو وإن كان في التباع في التابعين أكثر منه في الصحابة فهو قليل بالنسبة إلى من بعدهم وكلما كان العصر أشرف كان الاجتماع والائتلاف والعلم والبيان فيه أكثر ومن التابعين ومن التابعين من تلقى جميع التفسير عن الصحابة كما قال مجاهد عرضت عرضت المصحف على ابن عباس على على ابن عباس اوقف اوقفه عند كل آية منه وأسأله عنها ولهذا قال الثوري إذا جاءك تفسير عن مجاهد فحسبك به ولهذا يعتمد على تفسيره الشافعي والبخاري وغيره وغيرهما من أهل العلم وكذلك الإمام أحمد وغيره ممن صنف في التفسير ويكرر 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 طرق عن مجاهد كأكثر من غيره والمقصود أن التابعين تلقوا 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 التفسير عن الصحابة كما تلقوا عنهم علم السنة وإن كانوا قد يتكلمون في بعض ذلك بالاستنباط والاستدلال كما يتكلمون في بعض السنن بالاستنباط والاستدلال The author رحمه الله شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمي رحمه الله He said أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that the prophet he clarified the meaning of the Quran as he, as he clarified the wording for them write this down The clarification of the Qur'an is two types. 
Ahmad the Prophet teaching the companions the Quran was in two ways. The Prophet taught his companions the Quran in two ways. The first way that he taught them the Quran was Bayanul Al-Fadi fi kayfiyati qiraatiha. He taught them the Quran by correcting their pronunciation and their articulation of the word. So the first one is by correcting their recitation and their pronunciation of the word. So he taught them how to pronounce the ayah and how to say it. And where does the ghunna go? And where does the mad go? And where does the idgham and the idharan? He taught them this. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu The second way that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa taught them the Quran is bayanul ma'ani bi ma'rifati tafsiriha. He taught them the meaning of these words. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He taught them the meaning of those, of those words. The wording of the Quran. And that is present, and that is present in Surah Al-Qiyamah. Surah Al-Qiyamah, Allah says, لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه وقرآنه Pay attention here. فإذا قرأناه When we read it, Muhammad, فاتبع قرآنه ما معنى فاتبع قرآنه? Listen to the pronunciation. So the Prophet was taught how to recite it. And he did the same thing. He taught it to his companions. فاتبع قرآنه means أي فاتبع Follow the wordings of the Quran and the way Jibreel is going to read for you. That's one. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَ And upon us is to clarify the meaning for you. Are we all together, brothers? So those two are there in, the, uh, in that verse. Now we're going to move on to this. The clarification of the meaning is two types. Write this down. The clarification of the meaning is in two ways. So the Prophet said, what did he do? He clarified the meaning, right? That's what I just said. How many, how many ways did the Prophet teach the Quran? Number one was the wording. And the second one was what? The meaning. The meaning is two types. A. A general clarification. A general explanation. The general explanation is his whole entire sunnah is an explanation. The way the Prophet lived and the way he was was a tafsir for the Quran. It was an explanation on the Quran. This is how the Quran wants us to act. This is what it was. Are we all together? The whole life of the Messenger وسلم, is a general explanation of the Quran. Are we all together? He is the one who is showing us the way that the Quran wants us to carry ourselves and to act in times of happiness and the times of sadness. The times of, this is it. Are we all together? The second one is specific explanation of the meaning. This is the one that we call tafsir today. Sah? Tafsir, which is word for word explanation. What does this word mean? What does this word mean? The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the specific tafsir of the Quran, he didn't do that for everything. He didn't. He didn't say this ayah means this, this ayah means this, this ayah means this, this ayah means this, and go through the whole entire Quran like that. He didn't. There are parts of the Quran he explained in that manner where he said this means this. 
like when he recited the ayah غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين المغضوب عليهم the prophet said is اليهود ولا الضالين he said النصارى that's تفسير that's a specific explanation are we all together when he recited إنا عطيناك الكوثر and he said to the companions أتدرون من الكوثر did you do you guys know what the كوثر is and then they said الله ورسوله أعلم and then he told them is a تفسير للذين أحسن الحسن والزيادة the prophet said to the sahabas do you know what the زيادة here is and they said Allah wa Rasulu A'lam and then he said the ziyadah is ru'yatullahi the seeing of Allah and we all together this is another this is the type that we say that the prophet didn't do for every single what every single verse he didn't do it for like that then the author rahimahullah he mentioned that the sahabas they took the Quran from who the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in what way did they take the Quran from him they took the wording and the meaning from the Prophet, the Sahabas. Ah. They took it from him. Salawatullahi wa salamun And the author brought the statement of who? Abu Abdurrahman al Sulami, Abdullah ibn Habib. Abdullah ibn Habib, what did he say? Haddathana mankanu yukriunana min ashabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Abdurrahman al Sulami, his name is called Abdullah ibn Habib. And he's a tabi'i, meaning he never saw the Prophet sallallahu Am I making sense here? He never saw the Prophet. And you know what's actually shocking about Abu Abdurrahman al-Sulami? Abdullah ibn Habib? The man that Ibn Taymiyyah just mentioned here? He was a tabi'i. And he was a teacher of who? Hassan al-Hussein. He was a Quran teacher. Who is Hassan al-Hussein? The grandsons of the Prophet sallallahu They took it from Abu Abdurrahman al-Sulami, Abdullah ibn Habib. He taught them the Quran in Kufa. 60 years he was teaching the Quran. Are we all together? And then he said to the companions, the students one day, he said, do you guys know why I'm sitting here? Do you know why I don't move from this position as a teacher? I don't teach anything else other than the Quran. Do you guys know why? They said, why? He said, I heard Uthman ibn Affan say that the Prophet sallallahu said, man wa The best amongst you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. If you go to Sahih al-Bukhari and you look for the hadith, you will realize the one who narrated it from Uthman is who? Abu Abdurrahman al-Sulami, Abdullah ibn Habib. He narrated it from him. Are we all together, brothers? 60 years in Kufa, he was sitting there. He said that the Sahabas that taught us the Quran, they told us that they would only take 10 verses. They won't go over. They won't go, they won't go anywhere else. 10 verses. Those 10 verses, they would correct the recitation of it and they would also correct its meaning. They would understand it properly. Ah, they told us that. And the Sahabas, they took the wordings from the Prophet and the meaning, and they passed the wording and the meaning over like that. Today what we find people is, there are people who mastered the wording of the Quran, and they read it with excellence, but they go against it in its meaning. Are we all together? The Quran, brothers, was not sent down for it to collect dust to be placed on top of the shelf and whenever you want to swear by Allah you say hey, bring me the mushaf bring me the mushaf I want to swear by Allah it's the only time you touch the mushaf or you decorate it on your wall and there's ayatul kursi on the wall and that's all it is it's a nice decoration on the wall and then when you're asked read ayatul kursi you're like I can't read it 10 years it's been on the wall for you you haven't even memorized ayatul kursi the Quran was not sent for that brothers the Quran was sent for it to be read and to be understood Abdullah ibn Umar, 
it was said eight years تقريباً. he stayed in Surah Al-Baqarah eight years he was memorizing the wordings and the meaning are we all together Anas ibn Malik what did he say كان الرجل إذا قرأ البقرة Anas said if a man read Baqarah what does he mean read Baqarah the wording and the meaning that's what they mean وآل عمران and Surah Al Imran Jaddafina to us he's the he's the Alama anyone who remember Baqarah and Al Imran he is what so I remember when I came across this when I was very young and I heard the Sheikh say Abdullah ibn Umar spent eight years in Al Surah Al Baqarah I went to my mom and said why why are you angry with me you know why can't I spend more time on the Quran why do I have to finish it fast Abdullah ibn Umar took him eight years to do Baqarah. And you want us to finish the whole Quran in one or two years. So I got away with my, my I got away. My mother didn't, she couldn't respond. But when I said it to my father, my father said to me, but eight years of the meaning as well. Eight years of the, the meaning is not just the wording. You have to know the wording and the, Abdullah ibn Umar was taking the wording and then the meaning with it. And then the wording and then the meaning with it. And then the wording and the meaning. And they were going, they were implementing that in their life before they move forward. Before they move forward, this is authentically transmitted from them. Also, brothers, these people who are being spoken about here are not the young Sahabas, because the Sahabas, some of them are senior and some of them are the young ones. Abdullah Umar is from the senior Sahabas. Uthman is from the senior Sahabas. Umar is from the senior Sahabas. They were the ones that were doing this. The author mentioned something else as well. The differences that we find in the tafsir of the Sahabas. The Sahabas, they differed in tafsir, right? Did they not? They did. But when we look at the tafsir of the Sahabas, we find it, it's very little. The Sahabas differing on a wording or a meaning of an ayah is very little. And why was it little? Why was the differences of the Sahabas on the ayat and what it means? Why was it very little? Write this down. Two reasons is why the Sahaba's differences in tafsir was. There are two reasons why the Sahaba's had little differences in tafsir. There wasn't much, very little. The first reason is, their knowledge was very high. The caliber of their knowledge was knowledge was high. These guys are Arab. Arabic language was easy for them. Easy for them to understand the ayat and the meaning of the ayat. The language was still pure, it wasn't tainted. Dialects and lahajat, it didn't come to them. Their language is pure. So for them, the ayat, they knew, they understood it. So they had less differences amongst themselves. The second reason is desires was little in their heart. They didn't have whims and desires that they wanted the ayat to follow that whim and desires. Sahabas didn't have that. The Sahabas, they, they wanted the Quran to govern their belief. But the people who came later, they wanted to impose on the Quran their understanding and the, what they wanted. Are we all together? They have a belief system, and then they go to the ayah and they say, hey, let's look for an ayah that's, that's in line with what we believe. The Sahabas were not like that. They took their belief and their, their religion from the Quran. These are the two reasons why the khilaf 
amongst the Sahabas was little. Ibn Taymiyyah gave a principle now. I think this principle is very good. He said, I think this, this statement, subhanAllah, is so amazing. Ibn Taymiyyah says, whenever a generation and a people are righteous and they are noble, their unity is high. They're more united. And whenever a people lack that religious factor, they lack that religious approach, their differences becomes more, their disunity becomes more. And the Sahabas, what were they? They were people of sharaf, honorable people. You see? The tabi'een now, question. We understood that the Sahaba's differences were very little. Were there amongst the tabi'een some who took from the Sahaba's the whole Quran? Yes, there were. I'll mention two people. Two people. First one is Mujahid. Mujahid ibn Jabrin. Mujahid ibn Jabrin. He took the whole entire Quran from the Sahaba's. Who did he take it from especially? Abdullah ibn Abbas. Mujahid. He said, I took the Mus'haf and I opened it and I read the whole entire Quran on who? Ibn Abbas. Every ayah I would stop him. What do you think here? What do you think here? What about here? What about there? What about this? What about that? Uqifu inda kulli ayah. Mujahid, his tafsir became very respected now. Because he took all of it from Ibn Abbas. Once, no. Twice, no. Three times. From one side to the other side. Ibn Abbas, he said, what does this mean? Next ayah, next ayah, next ayah, next ayah, next ayah. And you all know who Ibn Abbas is, right? The second individual was Abil Jawza Rib'i ibn Awsin. Abil Jawza Rib'i ibn Awsin. He's the second tabi'i. Abil Jawza'i Rib'i ibn Awsin. Hey, what about him? He said, Jawartu ibn Abbasin. I was the neighbor of Ibn Abbas. Fi darihi. He and I were neighbors. For how many years? Ithnatay ashara sana. Twelve years. Ma fil Qur'ani ayatu. There is not an ayah in the Qur'an. Illa wa qad sa'altu anha. Except that I asked Ibn Abbas about it and he told me. Rawahu ibn Sa'adin anhu bi isnadin la ba'asabihi. Abil Jawza' al-Rabi'i ibn Awsin. He said, 12 years I was Ibn Abbas's neighbor. There's not an ayah in the Qur'an. I said, what does this mean? What does this mean? And he told me. So from within the tabi'een, there are people like that. وَلِذَلِكَ السُّفْيَانَ الثَّوْرِيُّ said, إِذَا جَاءَكَ تَفْسِيرُ مُجَاهِدٍ فَحَسْبُكَ بِهِ If the tafsir of mujahid comes to you, don't look for anything else. Just take the tafsir of mujahid. Because the tafsir of Mujahid is the tafsir of Ibn Abbas and Ibn Abbas he took it from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Are we all together? Then the author Rahimullah then said وَالْمَقْصُودُ أَنَّ التَّابِعِينَ تَلَقَوُوا التَّفْسِيرَ عَنِ الصَّحَابَةِ كَمَا تَلَقَوْا عَنْهُمْ عِلْمَ السُّنَّةِ The Sahabas they took tafsir from the Sahabas the way they took the Sunnah from the Sahabas. That's how they took it. 
Now another question. Did the Tabi'een take the tafsir from the Sahabas and just stick to what the Sahaba said? Or did they add their own understanding in there as well? We'll tell the brothers. Did they just fully take it and put that on board or did they add their understanding on there as well? Ibn Taymiyyah says they added their istinbat and their istidlal on there as well. Some of the tabi'in. And that's not wrong. And there's no problem with that because new things came that they felt they had to apply on. New groups came. They felt they had to speak about it. That weren't present at the time of the Sahabas. Are we all together? Yeah? Naam. Faslun fi ikhtilaf salafi fi tafsiri wa annahu ikhtilafu tanawwa' wal khilafi bayna salafi fi tafsiri qalilun wa khilafuhum fi al-ahkami akthar min khilafihim fi tafsir wa ghalibu ma yasihu anhum min al-khilaf yarji'u ila ikhtilaf tanawwa'in la ikhtilaf tadad وذلك صنفان أحدهما أن يعبر كل واحد منهما عن المراد بعبارة غير عبارة صاحبه غير عبارة صاحبه تدل على معنى في المسمى غير المعنى الآخر آخر مع اتحاد مع اتحاد المسمى بمنزله بمنزله الأسماء المتكافئة التي بين المترادفة والمتباينة كما قيل في كما قيل في كما قيل في اسم الصيف الصارم والمهند وذلك مثل أسماء الله الحسنى وأسماء الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم وأسماء القرآن فإن أسماء الله كلها تدل على مسمى واحد فليس دعاؤه باسم من أسمائه الحسنى مضادا لدعائه باسم آخر بل إن الأمر كما قال تعالى قل ادعوا الله أو ادعوا الرحمن أيما تدعوا فله الأسماء الحسنى وكل اسم من أسمائه يدل على الذات المسمات وعلى الصفة التي تضمنها الاسم كالعليم, كالعليم يدل على الذات والعلم والقدير يدل على الذات والقدرة, والقدرة والرحيم يدل على الذات والرحمة ومن أنكر ومن أنكر دلالة ومن أنكر دلالة أسمائه على صفاته ممن يدعي الظاهر فظاهر فقوله من جد قول غلات غلات الباطنية القرامطة الذي يقولون لا يقال هو حي ولا ليس بما بحي بل بل ينفون عن النقيضين عنه النقيضين فإن أولئك القرامطة الباطنية لا لا ينكرون لا ينكرون اسما هو علم محض كالمضام كالمضمرات وإنما وإنما ينكرون في في أسمائه الحسنى من صفات الإثبات فمن وافقهم على مقصودهم كان مع دعاء مع دعوائه مع دعواه الغلو في الظاهر موافقا لغلات الباطنية في ذلك وليس هذا موضع بسط ذلك وإنما المقصود أن كل اسم من أسمائه يدل على ذاته وعلى ما في الاسم من صفاته ويدل أيضا على على الصفات التي التي في الاسم في 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 الاسم في الاسم الآخر بطريق اللزوم وكذلك أسماء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مثل مثل محمد وأحمد والماحي والحاشر والعاقب وكذلك أسماء القرآن مثل مثل القرآن والفرقان والهدي والشفاء والبيان والكتاب وأمثال ذلك 
فإذا كان مقصود السائل تعيين المسمى عبرنا عنه بأي اسم كان إذا عرف مسمى هذا الاسم وقد يكون اسم وقد يكون اسم وقد يكون الاسم علما وقد يكون صفه كمن يسأل كمن يسأل عن قوله ومن أعرض عن ذكري ما ذكره فيقال له هو القرآن مثلا أو ما أنزل أو ما أنزله من الكتب فإن الذكر مصدر والمصدر تارة يضاف إلى الفاعل وتارة يضاف وتارة إلى المفعول فإذا قيل ذكر الله بالمعنى بالمعنى الثاني كان ما ما كان ما يذكر به مثل قول العبد سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر وإذا قيل بالمعنى الأول كان ما كان ما يذكره هو وهو كلامه وهذا وهذا هو المراد في قوله ومن أعرض عن ذكر لأنه قال قبل ذلك فإما يأتينكم مني هدى فمن اتبع هداي فلا يضل ولا يشقى وهداه هو ما أنزله من الذكر وقال بعد ذلك قال رب لما حشرتني أعمى وقد كنت بصيرا قال كذلك أتتك آياتنا فنسيتها والمقصود أن يعرف أن الذكر هو, كلام هو كلامه المنزل أو هو, أو, هو ذكر أو هو ذكر العبد له فسؤال فسواء قيل ذكري كتابي أو كلامي أو هداي أو نحو, أو نحو ذلك فإن المسمى واحد وإن كان وإن كان مقصود السائل معرفة ما في الاسم من الصفة المختصة مختصة به فلا بد فلا بد من قدر زائد على على تعيين المسمى مثل أن مثل أن يسأل عن عن القدوس السلام عن القدوس السلام المؤمن وقد علم أنه الله لكن مراد مراده ما معنى كونه قدوسا سلاما مؤمنا ونحو ذلك إذا عرف هذا فالسلف كثيرا ما يعبرون عن المسمى بعبارة تدل على عينيه وإن كان فيها من الصفة ما ليس فيه في الإسم الآخر كمن يقول أحمد هو الحاشر والباحي والعاقب والقدوس هو الغفور الرحيم أي أن المسمى واحد لا أن هذه الصفة هي هذه الصفة ومعلوم أن هذا ليس اختلاف, ليس اختلاف تضاد كما يظنه بعض الناس مثال ذلك تفسيرهم للصراط المستقيم فقال بعضهم هو القرآن أي اتباعه ولقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في حديث علي الذي رواه الترمذي ورواه أبو نعيم من طرق متعددة أبو نعيم من طرق متعددة هو حبل الله المتين والذكر الحكيم وهو الصراط المستقيم وقال بعضهم هو الإسلام لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حديث النواء في حديث النواس بن سمعان الذي رواه الترمذي وغيره ضرب الله مثلا صراطا مستقيما وعلى جنبتي الصراط سوران في في السورين أبواب متفت في السورين أبواب وفي السورين أبواب مفتحة وعلى, وعلى الأبواب ستور, ستور مرخاة وداع يدعون فوق, فوق الصراط وداع يدعو على رأس الصراط قال, قال فالصراط المستقيم هو, هو الإسلام والسوران حدود الله والأبواب المفتحة محارم الله والداعي على رأس الصراط كتاب الله والداعي فوق الصراط واعظ الله في قلب كل مسلم 
فهذان قولان قولان متفقان لأن الدين لأن دين الإسلام هو اتباع القرآن ولكن ولكن كل منهما نبه على وصف غير الوصف الآخر كما أن كما أن لفظ الصراط يشعر بوصف ثالث وكذلك وكذلك قول من قال هو السنة والجماعة وقول وقول من قال هو طريق العبودية وقول من قال هو طاعة الله ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأمثال ذلك فهؤلاء كلهم أشاروا إلى ذات واحدة ولكن وصف لكن 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 وصفها كل كل منهم بصفة بصفة من صفاتها. The author رحمه الله he goes this in this book inshallah you're gonna do a lot of writing. So write this down, inshallah ta'ala, what I'm saying. The author, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned before that there's, there's differences that happen from the tabi'een and the sahabas, right? But the sahabas, he said, is very little. But there is differences. It's very little, like him. The tabi'een, like in the differences of the tabi'een is what? Small. Okay? But the question here is, how many types of differences are there? Write this down. How many types of differences are there in tafsir? How many differences are there in tafsir? There are two types of differences in tafsir. The differences that are present uh, 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 from the mufassirin, the scholars who have done commentary on the Quran, or even the sahabas and the tabi'in, their differences is two types. The first type is, اختلاف تنوع اختلاف تنوع اختلاف التنوع means اختلاف in in wording اختلاف تنوع means اختلاف in wording and the second one is called اختلاف تضاد which is اختلاف in meaning اختلاف in what? اختلاف تضاد اختلاف تضاد means what? اختلاف difference in meaning and you can see from the way I translated it the first one is difference in wordings so it's like the cup is half full or the cup is half empty it's the same thing the wordings are different like, different like in sah two different wordings someone here says so and so is good Another person comes and he says, so and so is righteous. It's the same. Sah? The wording are different, but the meaning is the same. Lakin, ikhtilaf tabad is, one person is saying, so and so is good, and the other person is saying, so and so is bad. This is ikhtilaf tabad. Ikhtilaf tabad means you can't bring these two views together. Are we all together? Ibn Taymiyyah, what he wants to show you is that the majority of differences that you find from the Salaf, the early generation, is majority of it is ikhtilaf tanawwuh. It's actually not ikhtilaf tabat. Ikhtilaf tanawwuh means ikhtilaf in wording. And he mentions this to say that many people think that the Sahabas are differing. They read the books of Tafsir and they hear Mujahid say this, Suddi say this, Bahak says this, Tawul says this. They're like, views there's like 10 views here I'm confused what shall I do this difference brother is wording the meaning is not different they're all saying the same thing they've just picked a different wording are we all together 
the majority of tafsir, the tafsir of the Salaf, the majority of it is called ikhtilafu tanawu'. Ikhtilafu tanawu' means ikhtilaf based on wording. And not ikhtilafu tabad, that they are going against each other. That one is affirming something and the other one is negating it. So far, you all with me? Am I making sense? Or am I talking to myself? Am I, I'm making sense, right? Okay, now Ibn Taymiyyah says that the ikhtilaf the ikhtilaf of the wording is two types. It happens in two ways. This is a man, by the way, Ibn Taymiyyah, who read tafsir, memorized it, memorized it. He's given you the summary. Summary. For you to go to this, read this book, and go to the tafsir books, and you're going to be like, Allahumma barik. I'm enjoying the words of the scholars. Or else, if you go to those books, you're, you're throwing yourself into an ocean when you don't know how to swim. Are we all together? So this book equips you and it gives you understanding. The ikhtilafu tanawu' is two types. The ikhtilafu tanawu' means ikhtilaf of wordings. is two types. Number one, number A. The ikhtilaf of the wordings is two types. You all know what ikhtilafu tanawu' means, right? Ikhtilafu, the ikhtilaf of wordings. He said it is an yu'abbira one word and everyone expresses himself in many different wordings are we all together there's one word in the, there's one there's an ayah one of the wordings in the ayah the self each one expresses the meaning of this word in different wordings Give, the sheikh gave you an example which is for example the word as-sirat As-sirat has three views that have been said regarding it. Some scholars, they said as-sirat means what? As-sirat means uh, Islam. Another group said, no, as-sirat means the path of servitude. Okay. Another group came and said as-sirat, it means the Quran. They expressed the meaning of the word as-sirat in three meanings, three wordings. We all together, brothers. That's the first type of ikhtilaf al Ikhtilaf is two ways. A, they express an ayah with different wordings. Are we all together, brothers? How do they do that? This is the tricky part. How do they choose different wordings? Brothers, please pay attention. How do they do it in different wordings? And many examples the Shaykh gave, like for example, a lion, uh, sorry, a sword. What's it called? Safe. What's it also called? Sarim. What is it also called? Muhannad. These are different names that the sword has. Are they all talking about the same thing? Yes, they are. Are they expressing it with different wordings? Yes, they are. An example for that is what? Allah's names. Someone said, Ya Allah. Another one said, Ya Rahman. Another one said, Ya Aziz. Another one said, Ya Jabbar. Is there ikhtilaf here? Of course there is. There is ikhtilaf. They all didn't say the same word. So this is called ikhtilaf al-tanawu'. The wordings are different. But are they all calling on the same one? Yeah? They are. So you do say there's ikhtilaf, meaning ikhtilaf al-tanawu'in, like in ikhtilaf al-tabad. Are we all together? Huh? How does the ikhtilaf of different wordings occur? Let me explain it to you 
and then I'll give the example of the word as-sirat that the Sheikh brought. Everything that we see in our lives, brothers, it has three levels of expressing wordings on it. Let me give you an example. A house. When you say the word house, what comes to your mind? Doors. Windows. Sah? Did I say that? No, I never said that. There's a door. There's windows. There's a floor. There's a ceiling. There's rooms. Or a room at least. All of that comes in. It consists of it, right? If I take a door, I say door, what have I taken? A portion of what a house is. Sah? Correct? Good. Every house that you've seen, someone made it, right? It didn't just come out from nowhere. So, did I tell, when I said house to you, did I tell you that the house was made by someone? I never told you. But do you, you know that by necessity that this house was made by someone? So, those three that I just mentioned for you are every single word what comes with it when it's said. The word as-sirat, it's when the word as-sirat is said, it means al-Islam. It's the whole meaning of as-sirat is al-Islam. That's called dalalatul mutabaqa. The whole entire meaning of the word as-sirat is Islam. If you take a part of it, like you took a part of the window or the door, is what? Tariqul ubudiyah. The house is made by someone, which is al-Quran. It's called the word as-sirat al-Quran. It necessitates for there to be a sirat, it necessitates the presence of the Quran. Or else there wouldn't be any sirat. There wouldn't be no building if, if a house if then nobody made it. Every single wording it has the three dalalat dalalatul mutabaqa, dalalatul tadamun, and dalalatul iltizam. Those three house, dalalatul mutabaqa, door, window, dalalatul tadamun. Someone made this house Dalalatul Iltizam. Sirat Islam, Tariqul Ubudiyah, and Al Quran. The Mufassirin, when they take the ayah and they do tafsir of it, they do it to it like that. Who is the most accurate one? Alhamdulillah. Who is the most accurate one? It is the one who took the word Islam. But it's not wrong to say Al Quran as well. And it's not wrong to say Tariqul Ubudiyah because it's what? Dalalatu at tadamuni That's just the most complicated part to understand. And it's not an issue. I'll give you another example that many of you guys can relate to. The word taqwa. The word taqwa, right? What do many people translate taqwa to mean? Fear of Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala. They say fear, right? Does taqwa mean fear of Allah? Or is it more broader than the word fear of Allah? So this is not dalalatul mutabaqa. It's taking a portion of what's in the word taqwa and using it as the meaning of a taqwa. It's not wrong, but it's not the full meaning because there's more parts that taqwa has other than that. Are we all together, brothers? Naam. And the second type of ikhtilafu tanawr, the sheikh is going to read it, then I'm going to give it to you guys, inshallah. He hasn't given it yet.
الصنف الثاني أن يذكر كل كل منهم من الاسم العام من الاسم اسم العام بعض أنواع بعض أنواعه على على سبيل التمثيل وتنبيه المستمع على على النوع لا على سبيل الحد المطابق للمحدود في عموم في عمومه وخصوصه مثل سائل أعجمي سأل عن مسمى لفظ الخبز فأري رغيفا وقيل هذا فالإشارة إلى نوع هذا لا إلى الرغيف وحده مثال ذلك ما نقل في قوله ثم أورثنا الكتاب الذي نصطفينا من عبادنا فمنهم ظالم لنفسه ومنهم مقتصد ومنهم سابق بالخيرات فمعلوم أن الظالم لنفسه يتناول المضيع للواجبات والمنتهك للمحرمات والمقتصد يتناول فاعل الواجبات وتارك المحرمات والسابق, يد والسابق يدخل فيه من سبق فتقرب بالحسنات مع الواجبات فالمقتصدون هم أصحاب اليمين والسابقون, هم والسابقون أولئك المقربون ثم إن كل منهم يذكر هذا في, نوع في هذا في نوع من أنواع الطاعات فقول قائل السابق الذي يصلي في أول الوقت والمقتصد الذي يصلي في أثنائه والظالم لنفسه الذي يؤخر العصر إلى الإصفرار أو يقول السابق والمقتصد وقد والمقتصد قد ذكرهم في آخر سورة البقرة فإنه ذكر المحسن المحسن بالصدقة والظالم بأكل الربا والعادل بالبيع والناس في الأموال إما محسن وإما عادل وإما ظالم فالسابق المحسن بأداء المستحبات مع الواجبات والظالم والظالم آكل الربا أو مانع الزكاة والمقتصد الذي يؤدي الزكاة المفروضة ولا يأكل الربا وأمثال هذه الأقاويل فكل قول فيه ذكر, ذكر نوع داخل في الآية إنما, إنما ذكر لتعريف المستمع بتناول, بتناول الآية له وتنبيهه به, وتنبيهه به على نظيره فإن التعريف بالمثال قد يسهل أكثر من التعريف بالحد, بالحد, المطابق بالحد المطابق والعقل السليم, والعقل السليم يتفطن, يتفطن للنوع وكما يتفطن إذا أشير, إذا أشير له إلى رغيف فقيل له هذا هو الخبز وقد يجيء كثيرا من هذا الباب قولهم هذه هذه الآية نزلت في كذا لا لا سيما إن كان إن كان مذكور مذكور شخصا كأسباب النزول نزول المذكورة في التفسير قولهم إن آية الظهار نزلت في امرأة أوس بن صامت وإن آية اللعان نزلت في 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 عويمر 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 العجلاني أو هلال بن أمية وإن آية الكلالة نزلت في جابر بن عبد الله وإن قوله ونحكم بينهم بما أنزل الله نزلت في بني قريظة والنضير وإن قوله ومن يوليهم يومئذ دبر دبره نزلت في بدر وإن قوله شهادة بينكم, بينكم إذا حضر أحدكم الموت نزلت في قضية تميم, تميم الداري وعدي بن بداء وقول, وقول أبي أيوب إن قوله لا تلقوا بأيديكم إلى التهلكة نزلت في معشر, معشر الأنصار الحديث 
ونظائر هذا كثير مما مما يذكرون إنه أنه أنه نزل في قوم قوم من المشركين بمكة أو في قوم من أهل الكتاب اليهود والنصارى أو في قوم من المؤمنين فالذين قالوا فالذين قالوا ذلك لم يقصدوا أن الحكم الآية مختص بأولئك الأعيان دون غيرهم فإن هذا لا يقوله مسلم ولا عاقل على الإطلاق والناس والناس وإن تنازعوا في اللفظ العام الوارد على سبب هل يختص بسببه أم لا فلم يقل أحد من علماء المسلمين أن عمومات الكتاب والسنة تختص بالشخص المعين وإنما غاية ما يقال أن إنها تختص بنوع ذلك الشخص فتعم ما يشبهه ولا يكون ولا يكون العموم بها بحسب اللفظ والايه التي لها سبب معين ان كانت امرا او نهيا فهي متناوله لذلك الشخص ولغيره ممن كان ممن كان بمنزلته وان كانت خبرا بمدح او ذم او ذم فهي فهي متناوله لذلك الشخص ولمن كان بمنزلته ومعرفه السبب ومعرفه سبب النزول تعين على فهم الايه فان فان العلم بالسبب يورث العلم بالمسبب بالمسبب ولهذا كان اصح قول قول الفقهاء ان انه اذا لم اذا لم يعرف أنه إذا لم يعرف ما نواه الحالف رجع إلى سبب يمينه ما ما وما هيجها وما هيجها وآثارها وقول وقولهم نزلت هذه الآية في كذا يراد به تارة أنه سبب النزول ويراد به تارة أن هذا داخل في الآية وإن لم يكن وإن لم يكن السبب كما تقول عن عنا بهذه الآية كذا وقد تنازع العلماء في قول الصاحب نزلت هذه الآية في كذا وهل يجري, وهل يجري, وهل يجري مجرى المسند كما لو ذكر السبب الذي أنزلت لأجله أو يجري مجرى التفسير منه الذي ليس بمسند فالبخاري يدخله في المسند وغيره لا يدخله في المسند وأكثر المسانيد على, وأكثر المسانيد على هذه الاصطلاح كمسند, كمسند أحمد, أحمد وغيره بخلاف بخلاف ما إذا ذكر سببا نزلت عقبه 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 إن فإنهم كل فإنهم كلهم يدخلون مثل هذا مثل هذا في المسند وإذا عرف هذا فقول أحد فقول أحدهم نزلت في كذا ولا ينافي ولا ينافي قول الآخر نزلت في كذا إذا كان اللفظ وإذا كان إذا كان اللفظ يتناول يتناولهما كما ذكرناه في التفسير بالمثال وإذا ذكر أحدهم لها سببا نزلت لأجله وذكر وذكر الآخر سببا فقد يمكن فقد يمكن صدقهما بأن تكون بأن تكون نزلت عقب عقب تلك 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 الأسباب أو تكون نزلت مرتين مرة لهذا السبب ومرة لهذا السبب وهذا للصنفان اللذان ذكرناهما في في تنوع التفسير تارة لتنوع الأسماء والصفات وتارة لذكر بعض أنواع المسمى وأقسامه كالتماثيلات التمثيلات وهما وهما الغالب في في تفسير سلف في سلف الامه الذي يظن انه مختلف 
ومن ومن التنازع الموجود عنهم ما يكون اللفظ فيه محتملا لأمرين إما لكونه مشتركا في اللغة كلفظه قسورة الذي يراد به الرامي ويراد به الأسد ولفظ عسعس الذي يراد به إقبال الليل وإدباره وإما لكونه متواطئا في الأصل لكن المراد به أحد النوعين أو أحد الشيئين كالضمائر في قوله ثم دنا فتدلى فكان قاب قوسين أو أدنى وكلفظ والفجر وليال عشر والشفع والوتر وما أشبه ذلك فمثل هذا قد يراد به كل المعاني التي قالها السلف وقد لا يجوز ذلك فالأول إما لكون الآية نزلت مرتين فأريد فأريد بها هذا تارة وهذا تارة وإما لكون اللفظ المشترك يجوز أن يراد به معنياه إذ قد إذ قد جوز ذلك أكثر أكثر فقهاء المالكية والشافعية والحنبلية وكثير من أهل الكلام وإما لكون اللفظ, وإما لكون اللفظ متواطئا فيكون عاما إذا لم, إذا لم يكن لتخصيصه موجب فهذا النوع إذا صح فيه, فيه القولان كان من الصنف الثاني ومن الأقوال الموجودة عنهم ويجعلها بعض الناس اختلافا أن يعبروا عن, أن يعبروا عن المعاني بألفاظ متقاربة لا مترادفة فإن الترادف في, فإن الترادف في اللغة قليل وإما في ألفاظ القرآن وإما فإما نادر وإما معدوم وقل أن يعبر عن لفظ واحد بلفظ واحد يؤدي جميع معناه بل يكون فيه تقريب لمعناه وهذا من أسباب إعجاز القرآن فإذا قال القائل يوم تمور السماء مورا إن المور هو الحركة كان, إن المور هو الحركة كان تقريبا إذا المور حركة خفيفة سريعة وكذلك إذا قال الوحي وحي الإعلام أو قيل أو أو قيل أوحينا إليك أنزلنا إليك أو قيل وقضينا إلى بني إسرائيل أي أو أي أعلمنا أي أعلمنا وأمثال ذلك فهذا كله تقريب لا تحقيق فإن الوحي أو هو فإن الوحي هو إعلام سريع خفي والقضاء والقضاء إليهم أخص من الإعلام فإن فيه فإن فيه إنزالا إليهم وإحياء إليهم والعرب تضمن الفعل تضمن الفعل معنى الفعل وتعديه تعديته ومن هنا غلط ومن هنا غلط من جعل بعض الحروف بعض الحروف تقوم مقام مقام بعض كما يقولون في قوله لقد ظلمك بسؤال نعجتك إلى نعاجه أي مع أي مع نعاجه ومن 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 أنصاري إلى الله أي مع الله أو أي مع الله أو نحو ذلك والتحقيق ما قاله نحاة البصرة بصرة من من التضمين فسؤال النعجة يتضمن جمع جمع جمعها وضمها إلى نعاجه وكذلك قوله وإن كادوا ليفتنونك عن الذي أوحينا إليك ضمن معنى يزيغونك ويصد ويصدونك وكذلك قوله 
ونصرناه من القوم الذين كذبوا بآياتنا ضمن معنى نجيناه وخلصناه وكذلك قوله يشرب يشرب بها عباد الله ضمن ضمن يروى بها ونظائره كثيرة ومن قال لا ريب لا شك بهذا تقريب فالريب فيه 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 الطيب فيه اضطراب وحركة كما قال دع كما قال دع ما يريب ما يريبك إلى ما لا يريبك وفي الحديث أنه مر بضبي حاقف فقال لا يريبه أحد فكما أن اليقين ضم من السكون والسكون والطمأنينة فالريب فالريب ضده ضم من الاضطراب والحركة ولفظ الشك ولفظ الشك ولفظ الشك وإن قيل إن إنه يستلزم هذا هذا المعنى لكن لكن لفظه لا يدل عليه وكذلك إذا قيل ذلك ذلك الكتاب هذا القرآن فهذا تقريب لأن المشار لأن المشار إليه وإن كان واحدا فالإشارة فالإنشاء فالإشارة بجهة بجهة الحضور غير الإشارة غير غير الإشارة بجهة البعد والغيب والغيبة ولفظ الكتاب يتضمن من كونه مكتوبا مضموما ما لا يتضمنه لفظ القرآن من كونه مقروءا مظهرا باديا فهذه الفروق موجودة في القرآن فإذا قال أحد فإذا قال أحدهم أن تبسل أي تحبس وقال الآخر ترتهن نحو ذلك لم يكن من اختلاف اختلاف التضاد ولا وان كان وان كان محبوس قد يكون مرتهنا وقد لا يكون اذ هذا تقريب للمعنى كما تقدم وجمع وجمع عبارات السلف في في مثلها في مثل هذا نافع جدا لان مجموع عباراتهم ادل ادل على 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 القصود على القصود من عباره او عبارتين Inshallah ta'ala, what we will do is we will finish this part tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. Um, we've got 10 minutes left, taqriban. And uh, this chapter is a bit long. So I'll take questions, inshallah ta'ala, if you guys have questions. Um, anything I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me, shaitan, and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Hayya, anyone have questions? Hayya. So what, we, what I was, the brother mentioned the statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, which I said, Allah looked at the hearts of his slave and he chose Nabi Muhammad. Meaning we're talking about after all the prophets came, Allah looked at the hearts of the people of this ummah and he chose Nabi Muhammad. And then Allah looked at the hearts of the remaining people of this ummah and then chose the sahabas. This is after Isa ibn Maryam, of course. نعم تفضل حمزه ها The brothers asking a question which is what is the ruling with the person who leaves the salah the scholars they have two views regarding if you leave the salah there is a view of scholars that say if you leave the salah out of laziness then you're still a muslim and another group of scholars they say if you leave the salah out of laziness you're not a muslim and 
these two views are two valid views within the realm of the scholars, meaning they both are valid. They were not uh, strange opinions. And that which seems apparent, is generally speaking, if a person leaves the prayer and doesn't pray, that this does take away from them the, the, the title of being a Muslim. It takes it away from them because the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the covenant between us and them is the prayer and anyone who leaves it is a, is a disbeliever. But remember what I said. I said generally. As for now, you go to a person you know in your local area who doesn't pray, placing that ruling on him is a different story. Because within Ahlul Sunnah, we distinguish between the issue of a general ruling and a specific ruling. Because the specific ruling, it's different from the general ruling. And the general ruling is different from the specific ruling. So I know many people who don't pray from my local community, my relatives, they don't pray. But I don't label them as disbelievers. Imma jahlin, because they're ignorant. Or imma ta'wilin, or maybe they have an interpretation. Or imma, or imma, or imma, or imma, or imma. Now, Hamza. Yeah, the second part was the part that the brother just read right now, which we're going to go through tomorrow. Yeah. So the second part of Ikhtilafu Tanawwuh. Naam. It will be tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. Hmm. Hmm. And the Sunnah and the Nawafil. Mustahabbat, eh? If so you're saying if a non Muslim gives zakat, for example. For example, a non Muslim gives zakat. Ah, so he wouldn't be a Muslim. But the Scot he would he won't make him a Muslim. If a non Muslim goes and he prays with the Muslims or in, in Ramadan, the non-Muslim says, I'm going to fast with the Muslims because, you know, integration and whatnot. It doesn't make him a Muslim. It does not make him a Muslim. So he has to say, Shadu la ilaha illa wa shadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Naam. Huh? The person who mocks the religion. Yeah, you can't mock the religion. It takes a person out of the fold of Islam. They mock the religion. You can't mock the deen. Mocking the deen is from the naqid min nawaqid al-Islam. It's from the nullifiers of Islam that a person should stay away from. Naam. The Quran, I said. So, Sirat is a straight path, right? The straight path, what necessitates from it is that there's a book that guides you to the straight path, right? How would I know what the straight path is if I don't have the manual guide that's going to tell me, which is the Quran in this situation? Naam. Huh? Yeah, any question you have, yeah, that I can answer.
So I said the issue of visas, they take the ruling of a person who is given a covenant. It's an ahd, a mithaq, an agreement. The mithaq sometimes can be that bay'ah. The covenant sometimes can be bay'ah, pledge of allegiance, and that's only for the Muslim countries. And as for the non-Muslim countries, of course, it's not bay'ah, but it's what? It's what is referred to as imma dhimma or imma ahdun mujarrada. It's mere ahd. So it's like a non-Muslim Muslim taking non-Muslims into their country, they have to be taken care of. They cannot be touched. Even if they do things that incriminate Islam, they have to be taken out of the land of the Muslims. And then they need to be told, listen, we will fight with you guys if you cause more problems. Like in within the borders of that country, this mas'ala, I spoke about it in great details. And it's a mas'ala that um, it's, uh, it requires more explanation. It's not easy to just answer it like that. But anyways, what I was trying to say is, visas are a covenant. It's an agreement on you and this person. So when you come into a country with a visa, you can't say, I never gave bay'ah to this country. I didn't do this. Or I, didn't have an, uh, I never made no promise to this system. You did. You came into this country with a, a visa. You've promised them that you're going to be a law-abiding citizen and you have to. So you can't steal from the country. You can't cheat the system. You can't lie. You can't. None of them. No. Muslim or non-Muslim? Are we all together? Because Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the sulh al-Hudaybiyah, the contract of Hudaybiyah, what was the agreement? Well, very hard agreements that the Prophet signed and agreed to. Sallallahu Did he stick by it? He stuck by it. He stuck by it. And we took the, uh, in usul al-Qawaid al-Fiqiyah, we took that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Al-Mu'minun ala shurutihim. That the believers are upon their condition. Ha, fadl. Ha, regarding major sins. Huh? Oh. So the brother asked a question which is If I commit a major sin I do a major sin And I repent from that major sin Will I be held account for the thing that I did? No There's a, um, a hadith which it's, its authenticity is disputed But its meaning is agreed upon Meaning what this hadith is saying is agreed upon by the scholars But they differ whether the Prophet said it or not But the concept they agree upon which is the one who repents from a sin is like he never did that sin whatsoever. The person who repents from a sin and comes with the conditions of repentance, it's like he never did it. It didn't, it didn't even occur from him. Remember, like in the major sins, they require repentance. As for the minor sins, then there are righteous actions that if you do, it can get rid of those minor sins. Umrah to Umrah gets rid of the minor sins. Isbaghi al-wudu'i ala al-makari. Doing wudu' gets rid of the minor sins. The major sins, on the other hand, 
they require repentance and the conditions of repentance is al-azmu al-layyud that you make the decision of not going back to that sin and nadam regret and al-iqla means you free yourself from the sin if you come with these three conditions then that inshallah ta'ala that sin you'll be forgiven for it if it's the right of a person there's a fourth condition needed which is what is that you go to the person and you ask them for forgiveness at tahallulin min al-mazalim naam no no action get expiates for you your major sins the major sins according to the strongest opinion is that major sins specifically require repentance nothing can get rid of major sins you need to repent for it the scholars then they differ do you have to repent for everything ala hida specifically or is there a permissibility of what is known as a tawbatul amma a general repentance where the person says allahumma ghfirli oh allah forgive me and he comes with the three conditions can that be taken for all of his major sins there are differences of opinion but that which we will say is that allah's mercy is greater than the knowledge of the people of knowledge so inshallah we'll say that the general repentance can inshallah ta'ala uh, it can work if the person does a general repentance all of his major sins can be forgiven in just one repentance ah fadal What's the difference between having husnul dhan, having good thoughts of someone, and having good assumptions of them, and being naive? And if I could add a question onto that as well, which is, what's the difference between patience and humiliation? As these are terms that generally people confuse. Good assumptions of someone and being naive, and also patience and humiliation. Is this actually patience, or is this you're humiliating yourself? Many people don't know the difference between the two. And when you mix these things, you actually end up, you end up getting yourself into a more worse scenario. The answer to your question is, anything that brings about humiliation for the Muslim is not praiseworthy. Anything that puts you down and humiliates you, it's not praiseworthy in the Sharia. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, La yanbaghi lil mu'mini an yudhilla nafsah. The Prophet said that it is not befitting for a Muslim to humiliate himself. And then the Prophet, then the companion, then the Prophet said, that, sorry, the Sahabas then said, Ya Rasulullah, How can a believer humiliate himself? Then the Prophet said, min al He presents himself to something harmful and then he can't handle it later. Any assumptions that you have of people that would lead you to then suffer greatly in it and put you down, that's not husnudan. وَلِذَلِكَ the Qur'an clearly instructed us, it said, خُذُوا حِذْرَكُمْ Take your precautions. Be aware and be alert. The Prophet also said in the hadith, uh, he said, وسلم, uh, لَا يُدْلِغُ الْمُؤْمِنْ مِنْ جُحْرٍ وَاحِدٍ مَرَّتَيْنِ A believer is not bitten from the same hole twice. So what you do is the following. حُسْنُ it's for the first time. If a person, you give them حُسْنُ on the first occasion. If they've lied to you on that occasion, they don't deserve husnudan. They deserve now distance. I will take my distance from you. Because you can't get bitten from the same hole 
twice. So Ibn al-Qayyim says, Husnul Dhan is the first thing you give to every Muslim. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. I trust you. I believe in you. I'll give you my mind and my heart. If you deceive me, I will leave you. The second one he mentioned is that if the good assumptions of this person and thinking good of them does not harm you, it's good to do it. And it's not going to harm you personally. And an example he brought for that was that Abdullah ibn Umar he used to have some slaves. And what they used to do is they used to pray whenever they saw him. Like whenever he comes walking, they'll pray. And the reason why they used to do that is because they knew that if he saw them in that situation, he would free them. Are we all together? He will free them. Okay? And so they used to do that. Whenever they see him, and so he would say, you're free, you're free. I can't hold a abit like this. A worshipper like this, I can't keep you. You're free, go. And so, some of his close people, they said, Wallahi, they are deceiving you. These people are fooling you, Ibn Umar. And Ibn Umar said to them, let them deceive us in the sake of Allah. Because like, he doesn't harm Ibn Umar, aslan. Thinking good of them here doesn't harm him. He gets rewarded for his intention and he gets closer to Allah because the action itself of freeing a slave is actually a what? A good act. So if thinking good of someone is not going to harm you, then he said, there's no problem. Naam. I hope that answers your question. Say that again. That's some of the scholars what they took from the ayah. That's what some of the scholars they took from the ayah. That the people who hate the Sahabas are not Muslims. Some of the scholars they took that opinion. It's one of the views regarding those who slandered the companions. Now, based on the ayah. So here this question is. Someone prays Jum'ah, Eid, he's there, you see his face at Eid times. Jum'ah, he dresses up and he goes, yep, today I'm going Jum'ah. Every now and then when he's with good people and they go to the Salah, he's like, yep, let's go, go let's pray. He, I, call them, I call them the social prayers. He, he prays when he's socializing and when he's with a particular people. Or they sincerely pray. Or they get lazy, okay. So this is the question now. By the way, this is a brother's, it's a difference of opinion. It's not a, it's a difference of opinion. Scholars are differing on it. They differed upon what the hadith means. The tarqiyah that's mentioned here, what does it mean? Does it mean once? Does it mean mutlaqu tarqi, fully leaves the prayer? His head only touches the floor when he falls down. He doesn't do sujood. Or is it a person who he prays here and there but he doesn't leave it generally? This is where the argument came because the word in the Arabic language, atark, can take all of those meanings. It's a laugh which is mujman. Sheikh Ibn Baz said, Ibn Baz, Ibn Baz, anyone who switches off his clock for fajr, switches it off, taps it, and the time of salah comes in, taps it. And the salah goes, he said he's a kafir. Sheikh Ibn Baz's fatwa as well. Other scholars like Sheikh Albani believe no. Ibn Taymiyyah took the opinion that if the person leaves the salah, he's not a kafir. 
But if he gets brought by the leader, or the courts, they grab him, and the judge grabs you, and they say, pray right now. You have three days, pray, and you're gonna be, they're going to let you go. Huh? Three days you have. Pray, or you're going to be killed. And he says, I'm not going to pray. Kill me if you want. Ibn Taymiyyah said, the fact that he doesn't fear the consequences of death, and he's choosing not to pray, is kufrun billahi al-aliyul but other than Mujarrad al-Tarq, it can be laziness, hawa, whatnot. Ibn Taymiyyah takes that opinion. Are we all together? That which seems apparent to me, wallahi, is that even if it's once, even one prayer, because the Prophet said in a hadith, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man taraka salat al-asri faqad habita amaluhu. Anyone who leaves salat al-asr, he's what? His actions are nullified. The statement of the action is nullified means you're not a believer. Why? Because Allah said in the Quran, لَإِنْ أَشَرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكُ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ حُبُوطُ الْعَمَلِ Your actions being nullified is a delil that it's not. That it, you're not a believer anymore. Like Ibn al-Qayyim doesn't allow that. Ibn al-Qayyim has an argument against that in his kitab. But anyways, I believe this is what's strong. And after saying La ilaha illallah, after saying La ilaha illallah, there has to be a delil, evidence for that. Like when you say La ilaha illallah, what's the delil for it? That you believe in Allah on the Day of Judgment. That you believe in Nabiullah Muhammad is a messenger sent from Allah. The thing that shows it is the salah. Salah is a sign of your La ilaha illallah. It's an evidence of your la ilaha illallah. Sah? Walidhalika, the sahabas, they said that kunna na'rifu al-munafiqa fina. We used to know the hypocrite from amongst us. The fact that we didn't see him in the jama'ah. Then what about the one who left the salah? If a man never came to the masjid, we knew he was a hypocrite. And who was like, the munafiq didn't come today. Now. The time is finished, inshallah ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka tawbilika.